106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Some final thoughts now. One nation under Democrat demolition. Did you know they have removed God? The majority party in the House of Representatives has deleted God from as many official congressional proceedings as possible, including swearing in witnesses. Do you swear or affirm under penalty of perjury that the testimony you're about to give is true and correct to the best of your knowledge, information, and belief? Thank you. Let the record point, show the witnesses. Point of parliamentary inquiry. Yes, Mr. Johnson. I think we left out the phrase, so help me God. We did. Could we have the witnesses do it again for the record? No. Yeah, if they want to do it, but some of them don't want to do it. And I don't think it's necessary, and I don't like to exert my will over other people. Well, it goes back to our founding history. It's been part of our tradition for more than two centuries, and I don't know that we should abandon it now. Could I ask the witnesses if they would, if they would choose to, to use the phrase? Mr. Chairman. Mr. Nadler. If any witness objects, uh, he should not be asked to identify himself. Uh, we do not have religious tests for office or for anything else, and uh, we should let it go with that. That is the face of Resident Evil, Jerry Nadler. Get used to it. It will be Nadler who leads the effort to impeach President Trump. So God is gone now. Poof. No more God in the people's house. This is not about a religious test. This is about the founding of this republic. We are a country built on a core belief in God and Judeo-Christian values. Thus, the Declaration of Independence is now under de facto assault by this crew. One nation under God, divisible by a radical political party that seeks to attack liberty and justice for all. there today. This is Lou Benninger, and uh, as you know, you're listening to No Hostages Radio, and we are in our eighth episode, and this is, if this is your first time checking us out, uh, we put up new episodes every Saturday morning or Friday night late, and we're doing one a week, so you may be new to us completely, or you may be from the days when we used to do live radio out here in Northern California, up here in what we hope uh, is one day the state of Jefferson. So I'm Lou Benninger, and I've been doing this for, I don't know, we did live radio five or six years, and now we're on to this podcast, which has been working out really great for those who have found us. Everybody seems to think it's uh, better quality, better shows, all that kind of stuff. So that made me happy. 
So we are today um, going to have about, I don't know, about three hours worth of uh, discussion about what's going on around uh, the United States and in California and certainly in Northern California. And we live in an area called Yuba County. It's one of 58 counties in Northern California. And as I mentioned, we're hoping that this county, along with about 23 others, will become the state of Jefferson, but it's a long haul and it's complicated. So uh, thank you for listening today. And also you might notice on our website, nohostagesradio.com, you may have got to us through your resource to reach out to podcasts, and we're just called No Hostages Radio. Or uh, if you want to look at our website, it's just nohostagesradio.com. And we have some articles on there that I write each week for the Territorial Dispatch that you can pick up there. Or if you'd like to look at online Territorial Dispatch, you can just add .biz, territorialdispatch.biz. It's a weekly newspaper published out here in Yuba County and serves Yuba Sutter and Nevada County, a few counties up here in Northern California. So um, as I mentioned, it's our eighth episode. And uh, you, if you want to communicate with me, you can reach me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. We were wondering, or I was wondering, not anyone else, but I was wondering whether that was actually working. And yes, it is working. It's working fine. And we were picking up some emails through there last week. Um, nohostagesradio.com, Lou at, L-O-U at the at sign. And then if you want to leave a text, you can text me at 530-713-1838. That's 530-713-1838. If you want to give me a piece of information that's valuable to me. So this week, uh, after we did our last show this past week, I got an email off the email site for No Hostages Radio. And uh, it was from a, I don't know whether to call them refugees from California or displaced people. I guess there's a difference, you know, when there's a warfare going on in a country and people flee I don't know whether uh, displaced people. I'm not quite sure what the difference is. I'll have to think about that. But I will just call them uh, displaced people for today. So this couple was uh, for many, many decades. Uh, actually, uh, my friend Dan was a military veteran who uh, ended up staying in the Yuba Sutter area up here in Northern California and, and had his own business and went into uh, probation for a while and then done a number of things, retired a couple times. But he finally uh, recently, uh, just in the last few months, left California for good and and moved out to the area of Missouri, state of Missouri. And so uh, just like some other displaced people from California that have moved out under trying times, uh, the Fritz family that moved over to uh, Idaho, they left uh, when we had to... Uh, flee the state or at least the valley because the state of california did not do the proper maintenance on oroville dam the biggest earth-filled dam in the world and the spillway failed uh 180,000 people had to vacate evacuate and so the fritz family thought let's just go over to drive around and look at the rest of the western states they ended up in idaho looking around at houses and ended up buying a house over there and picked up and moved out of Marysville, 
which has the highest water rates and the highest tax rates, sales tax rates of our local area, by far the highest water rates, highest tax rates. And now Yuba County uh, also has raised its taxes. So the, the Fritz family left just before Yuba County raised its taxes. And they are over there. And so they're displaced people that communicate with me about the comparison on gun rights, what, the, what it costs to register your car, license your car, what the gas prices are. So this last week, I got a email, an email from my friends who moved to Missouri. And he says, uh, as a part of the email, he says, a short story of interest. He said, I just received my California truck registration. In other words, they just moved, so they're still getting California mail. And uh, he said, I just got my California truck registration. It was $485. So he has a 2017 Toyota truck. And uh, so that was one vehicle in California, $485. So he said when we arrived um, in Missouri, he now calls that home, we registered our 2014 Subaru and the 2017 Toyota truck. All together was only $85 in the state of Missouri, compared to $485 just for the 2017 Toyota truck, a $400 savings just by moving. By the way, they sold their house before it even got on the market up in uh, Gridley area, Butte County, and they didn't even need to formally list it, and they sold it right away. And uh, they bought a bigger and better place for less money, I believe, back in Missouri. So then he goes on to say, such a difference on everything from gas to property taxes, food, no concealed uh, weapons, fees, or taxes— my utilities, he said, for the last month were $75 total. Now, that is totally amazing, the utilities. I keep reading where the PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, for those who don't live up here, uh, the cost for utilities, we, we pay Pacific Gas and Electric, as the name um, shows, we pay for natural gas and electricity uh, up here. We pay about 60% higher than the national average. So uh, anyway, my friend back there in Missouri said, such a difference from socialist California. Um, so that's that's that. Now, typically, we're about a dollar to $2 higher in gasoline. But that was uh, uh, just a, an interesting comparison. Uh, there's, there's different things published on the Internet. I'm always a little suspect on the accuracy on some of the things that are comparisons on registration fees, but I've done some of my own checking. You can actually just call up uh, the uh, state of your choice and go to the, you know, DMV uh, and see what the costs are. And, and honestly, it is, uh, I mean, we're paying four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times as much in California for any other, uh, state's registration of vehicles and we have the worst nearly the worst i think we're a 48 out of 50 the worst roads and worst service in the in the united states of america now this is a a letter that i ran across uh that uh was sent i believe to initially to a letter to the editor and it was an open letter to governor gavin newsom on uh, may 20 uh 2019 
And uh, I, I'm going to read it because it, it was meaningful to me. So many of my friends, either they've moved, like the ones I was just referring to in Missouri or in Idaho, or their children have moved and it's just breaking their heart. Another friend of mine, uh, their two sets of her kids have moved to Texas, and uh, which is a real bummer because then that's where the grand grandkids end up going. And, uh, you know, it's just heartrending. So this person says, Governor Newsom, the boxes are filled, the bags are packed, the hearts are breaking. My family is about to be divided. Separated, separated, perhaps forever, I wish you cared. Our wonderful daughter, along with her husband and their two children, uh, have, have given up on life in California. The only place they've ever called home has become intolerable for them. They found a new home in, in a southern state far away from here. Uh, in the real America. I've heard the story innumerable times, people leaving or wanting to leave what was once the paradise of of the West Coast. Not so long ago, kids could walk down to the corner store to the school without parents worrying about their safe return. No more. You once could visit a neighborhood park or not fear for your life. No more. Walking across the street did not require careful examination of the pavement to avoid feces or used hypodermic needles. Now it does. Illness, uh, illnesses are again being seen in this state that had been rare or non-existent until recently. Typhus, tuberculosis, mumps, measles, hepatitis A, B, and C are, are all back again. A worker on the upper floors at L.A. City Hall recently came down with typhus spread by rats living in the disgusting conditions around the Civic Center. But you're concerned that I might ask for a plastic straw. Your priorities for managing the state are critical, are crystal clear, and the middle class is nowhere near the top of the list. I learned in civics class years ago that the primary job of government is to keep people safe. What happened? When did our safety and well-being fall off the radar? Not too long ago, my daughter had her new vehicle stolen from her driveway in the short time it took her to walk the kids to school. Someone was watching, waiting for them to leave. It gave me chills just thinking about it. You release violent criminals back into our streets to terrorize our communities. You proudly remove the death penalty as an option, sending a friendly message to the worst of the worst and you handcuff our law enforcement officers, challenging their every move. Officers now must take an extra moment, perhaps just a second, questioning their training and best judgment just before using any amount of force to apprehend a violent criminal. When this results in another dead cop, and it will, the blood will be on your hands, sir. A few weeks ago, we watched our television as a, uh, our television as a violent felon led police on a three-hour pursuit, destroying property and narrowly missing pedestrians and other vehicles. We saw him brutally beat his female passengers while driving close to 100 miles an hour. Then last week, a murder suspect shot at police out the window of the car he was being pursued in. It's a miracle no one was killed. Turns out both suspects were free on early release from through AB 109 that you and other politicians who all live behind walls with armed security, forced upon us in the name of compassion. Where's your compassion for law-abiding citizens, Mr. Governor? 
And don't get me started on taxes and regulations. The amount of money from us taken from us by this state is criminal. Just living here is expensive enough. But imagine trying to run a business and stay afloat. We have the highest gas prices and taxes in the country, and still our roads are a mess. I recently hit a pothole, and the damage to my car costs over $1,000. We pay you enormous sums to manage the state's affairs, yet people by the thousands sleep on our streets at night. Homeless encampments are everywhere in neighborhoods we never imagined they'd be, and still you want more. There's a move now to weaken Proposition 13. No doubt it will pass, and I just read that you want to tax online sales now, too, along with proposals to tax water, dairy products, fertilizers, health care, and more. But taxing those things will not affect the super-rich 1%. They're just more hits on the middle class. You Sacramento politicians have an insatiable addiction to other people's money. But many citizens have had enough and are walking away, which brings me back to my family. They, they're closing their business here. You'll get no more of their hard-earned money. They purchased a home in their new state big enough for the four of them and a dog or two, maybe even a horse. The kids will get a great education. They'll be able to leave a window open at night, knowing that the criminals are the ones who are afraid, afraid of the police, afraid of the courts and afraid of the citizens who exercise their rights to defend themselves. Oh, and gas there is about $2 a gallon. Somehow, they'll have to survive without a fantasy train to nowhere, but I'm sure they'll find a way to get by. Meanwhile, your tax base shrinks and Atlas shrugs. Soon the only people left here will be the very, very rich and the very, very poor. It's almost as if you planned it that way. And now my family is broken. It's almost as if you, uh, excuse me, as, uh, as are countless others. No more school plays to go to. No more Little League games. No more weekend breakfasts at IHOP or Thanksgiving dinners. I'll happily bum a ton of fo- burn a ton of fossil fuel to go visit them at their new home as often as I can. But I won't be there as an instant babysitter when needed on short notice. And I'll actually notice their growth. And I'll actually notice their growth from visit to visit. I'll pray every night for their safety and happiness in the years to come. And I'll cry that I can't hold them tight. I'm angry as hell. And I miss them desperately already. But they'll get no going away card from you and no apologies. You simply don't care. Well, that statement I noticed when I read it got so many likes when it was posted on uh, social media it got many likes including some friends of mine whose whose children themselves so I watched grow up here in Northern California and as soon as they got married and had a couple of kids and they just looked at all the costs here and rules here and regulations here and socialism here decide uh, we can stay in America and and just have the freedoms that are uh, expected by our constitution but they're they're available next door or down a few states away. Uh, interesting. Uh, another uh, little snippet here I noticed is uh, about the number. There was an article about the number of people that are retiring out of the United States. That's interesting to me. As of two, April 2019, the Social Security Administration was sending 
685,000 payments to beneficiaries overseas, a 40% increase over the last 10 years. Uh, now, I want you, you might think, well, that's not very many because we have a 300 and what do we got? 330, 330 million, 350 million people. I don't know how many of those are retired. I didn't look it up. But you might think that's not very much. But here's here's the wrinkle to that. Many retirees don't move their banking to the country where they're uh, they don't shut down their banking here to live in another country. In other words, you can tap into your banking here through technology now and withdraw money. And actually, you can move it from, for instance, you can have your Social Security check automa automatically deposited like mine is in your local bank here in whatever state you are in or in other, any state. And then you can tap into that money and draw it from that account electronically through uh, to another bank in another country. So what they're what they're guesstimating is that the 685,000 payments that are actually being made to foreign addresses or foreign banks uh, is just what they call the tip of the iceberg, because so many people have kept their their major uh, banking and investments in this country, but just moved their life because it's cheaper, and they're moving to areas that are, uh, uh, you know, likable to them, whether they like a certain uh, type of lifestyle or culture. Uh, and then, of course, if they're retirees, they're looking for decent health care. I saw a photo, you know how people do Photoshop, and uh, at first glance you see North Highway 101, San Francisco, but when you look closer it says instead of San Francisco, it's called San Francisco. And uh, we're going to have uh, a little update later on about the growth and the homeless problem in, in its double-digit growth in San Francisco. Um this is another little snippet that I thought was good. He says, only in America can you murder your child at birth, but go to jail if you spank them. Liberalism is a mental disorder. I thought this was interesting as well. Uh, I, I love these things that come out of uh, like elementary school. It says, our teacher asked what my favorite animal was, and I said fried chicken. She said I wasn't funny, uh, but she shouldn't have been, but she couldn't have been right because everyone else laughed, the boy said. My parents told me to always tell the truth. I did. Fried chicken's my favorite animal. I told my dad what happened, and he said my teacher was probably a member of PETA. He said they love animals very much. And the boy said, I do too, especially chicken, pork, or beef. Anyway, my teacher sent me to the principal's office. I told him what happened, and he laughed too. Then he told me not to do that again. The next day in class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. I told her it was chicken. She asked me why. So I told her it was because you could make them into fried chicken. She sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed and told me not to do that again. I don't understand. My parents taught me to be honest, but my teacher doesn't like it when I am. Today, my teacher asked me to tell her what famous person I admired most. I told her Colonel Sanders. Guess where I am right now. 
Isn't that something? You know, when teachers have an agenda, uh, kids seem to just be out of order all the time, right? If you if a teacher has the Obama agenda and you happen to mention something about Trump, all of a sudden you find yourself in the principal's office, right? Or if they start talking about that you came from a monkey and you say, I believe God created this, all of a sudden you're some kind of a juvenile delinquent, whereas the teacher couldn't argue their way out of a paper bag uh, to try to explain the logic that we all came from monkeys. Just think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second. I, I tell this to people incarcerated from juvenile hall on up into prison, and people just shake their head. They just don't buy it. Well, okay. I have some, uh, uh, you know, I always get a kick out of it because I hear these government people talk about money. And they always use euphemisms. That's a euphemism is using a term that that tries to detract from uh, the reality of the truth and gloss over the truth. Like saying instead of you're aborting a baby, they say it's just tissue or it's planned pregnancy, right? Or we're terminating a pregnancy, right? Uh, instead of we're killing a person, right? Uh, so this is a, these are terms about anti-tax language. So instead of government money, say taxpayers' money, right? Government really doesn't have any of its own money. Government gets money by taking wealth, right? People create wealth. You go out and paint a house. You bake a cake and sell it. You grow fruit and sell it. You're creating something to benefit somebody else. Government doesn't do any of that. It just takes money and then pushes paper around and then t tries to tell you what to do. So you have government money, but it's really taxpayers' money. And um, then the government always talks about investing in our future. But really the language should be throwing taxpayers' money down the toilet. Government says asking people to share more of their income. And the other way to say it is we will use the threat of imprisonment to force people to pay more taxes. Do you know that? They just come up with an idea. They say, we want more of your money. And then they uh, say, you got to pay it. And if you don't, they make it really rough, right? They don't come and arrest you right away. They'll just uh, make it really uncomfortable for you, right? Make it very difficult in your life. The other concept in government is we're offering free services for this or that, right? Free at the health department, right? It's free, free condoms. Come over here and get this free stuff, free um, flu shots, right? But nothing's free, right? It's all paid for by the taxpayers. You need to remind yourself of these things or you'll just get caught up in foolishness. Now, I've been noticing I'm. I've been noticing that I've been getting fed up with Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I don't post stuff, but I read stuff that gets posted. It comes through on my feed. Some of the stuff just drives me totally crazy. People, I think people in America lack having a real life. They don't know what they're here on earth for. So they just post stupid stuff like a picture of their of a drink at a bar. They'll put that on a, as if 
as if, as if they accomplish something or that's cool. Or they'll post a picture of their food. Like, why would I want to look at their food or look at their drink? So this, this is a note of hypocrisy. It says they call Trump supporters Nazi and it meets fascist book community standards. In other words, it's all right on fascist book or Facebook to call Trump supporters Nazis. But if you call Democrats Nazis, you'll get 30 days for violating fascist book community standards. Like every once in a while, I'll notice one of my friends, they'll come in on Facebook and they'll say, I just got out of Facebook jail. And I've never been in there because I don't post anything. I'm not interested in doing that. I'm just, I try to keep in contact with people I work with around the world. It's an easier, easy way to connect. But I don't, um, I don't post stuff political stuff because i got a lot of people in my life that are on all kinds of different have all kinds of different views politically so i'm not trying to beat uh convince anybody of anything on facebook i'm just using it more like a telephone now the other thing i found fascinating is fact of the day and this person posted california's gas tax will increase another 5.6 cents per gallon on july 1 that's a little over a month away right you think, why? Why so much? Why again? Well, if you voted against Proposition 6 at the November 2018 election, that stopped the tax repeal of SB1. That's where we get uh, DMV fees at four and $500 and gas taxes that are continually going up. As a part of Prop 6, that would have stopped the legislators from increasing gas taxes without a permission without permission of the general public voting on it with two-thirds vote to do that. Now they can just do it at will. So uh, in a few days, 45 days or so, it's going to go up 5.6 cents per gallon. I'm just, you know, all you people that voted for that, and and uh, we didn't need it. Even, even uh, James Gallagher, our assemblyman representing Eubin Sutter Counties, he assured us that there was plenty of money in the budget to pay for all the road improvements we needed. But uh, the liberals who control both houses of the uh, legislature down here in Sacramento, they lied, uh, which most politicians lie most of the time. They just don't tell the whole truth. You think, oh, well, I didn't really die. You know, it's like when you only tell part of the truth, that's a lie, right? Like I tell people uh, on how how you get by with a counterfeit 100 because most of the $100 bill you look at that's counterfeit looks exactly like it's a replica of the real thing. It's just a couple little parts don't match up. And that's a lie. That's why when you take an oath uh, to testify in the courtroom, they ask you if you're willing to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. And because if they leave out that other part, then you say, well, I did tell the truth about my version of the story, right? So that's just, that's that. Now, the final thing here before we, we wrap up here, our first 30-minute segment, this is our first of six 30-minute segments. Uh, this is so powerful. Roger Stone, who was kind of a publicist and PR guy, he worked for uh, President Trump during the election. And you remember how all these FBI agents uh, went and arrested him one day? 
at his home. This guy is a guy that's almost 70 years of age. He doesn't pack a weapon. And FBI went in and swept in and took all his stuff out of his house, and they're trying to build some kind of case with him. So they arrest 66-year-old Roger Stone. And that just so happened they brought CNN with them. Isn't that fascinating? And you wonder whether the FBI is corrupt or not. Now, uh, why would more men with guns and the news media go to arrest a 66-year-old man than then went to help uh, rescue our men at Benghazi? Our secretary, uh, you know, our ambassador to Libya, Stevens. Why would, why would more go to arrest an old man than go down to relieve uh, our, our uh, brave fighters in Libya? Uh, so much so for Clinton, Obama. Isn't that sad? So we have the same old things with liberals. You know, when they want to go after Republican, they'll send all kinds of troops in the media. But then when they, uh, when they want to go, when a hero is at risk, they just let them die. They let them get butchered. So this is uh, our first segment. We'll be back in just a little bit. We have a little clip coming up here. And um, it is equality. The Equality Act, you've been hearing about that, isn't equal at all. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be right back. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko from the state of Arizona. The Equality Act, or I call it the Forfeiting Women's Rights Act, it takes away women's and girls' rights that we've fought for for years. It requires organizations such as schools, churches, university dormitories, or nonprofit organizations to allow biological males in traditionally women's spaces, like women bathrooms, women locker rooms, women showers, even without any type of medical diagnosis or psychological diagnosis. This really infringes on the rights of women and girls to have their privacy and to have safety. The Equality Act would require doctors to give sex change operations and sex changing hormones to adolescents even if the parent disagrees and doesn't give permission. Women and girls that take these sex-changing hormones are then sterilized for the rest of their life. People need to wake up. This radical bill is going to totally eliminate women and girls sports because what this bill does is it requires schools and universities to allow biological males compete in women's sports. The so-called Equality Act would really take away all of our constitutionally protected religious freedoms. It strips out of the language the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the first time in history that a bill has done this. This will be terrible for anyone that has religious objections. The Equality Act is such a terrible bill that I really needed to speak out about it. It gives protections to some over protections of the others. This is not equality at all. 
We are born free and we will stay free. <laughs> you looking like you don't want us to be free. Someone call 911. Bernie's about to have a heart attack. <laughs> Somebody get Bernie some water. He look like he about to choke. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I can't do it today. All right. Uh, thank you for sticking with us here, and uh, we appreciate you listening. I wanted to mention, uh, start mentioning a couple of the folks that uh, help keep us on the air. <clears throat> this isn't a profit-making operation. We started years ago, like I said earlier, on live radio, and just some of my friends wanted me to go on there, and so people started donating money to pay for the airtime, because on the station we were at, you had to pay to actually use the station, have airtime. So um, we have had some of those folks carry over to support us now. And one of those is Elite Universal Security, and I want to just uh, mention them because they're a great operation. You know, uh, we just made uh, last week was Armed Services Day, and this week our Armed Forces Day. And this week, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm thinking of uh, all the veterans I know. And Monty Hecker, who owns Elite Universal Security, is a veteran, and it's a veteran-friendly uh, business. And Elite Universal Security is, like in the name, it's a business to try to protect protect what's yours and keep what's yours still yours. And to protect you and to help you understand uh, some strategies on how to do that. Uh, so they take care of businesses and farms and private residences all that kind of stuff, and even special events. They'll provide some guards for that. Uh, so you can reach them at 749. That's a 530 area code where I'm out here where we're existing, 530 area code, 749-0280. They're here in Yuba County, but they operate up and down the valley to Sutter County, Butte County, Shasta County, up and down, and uh, they do a lot of things. So it's, they hire people, they have workers, and they need more workers. If you go on their website, I'll give you a couple, api-academy.com. That's their schooling website, api-academy.com, and then eliteuniversalsecurity.com. Uh, you can see their advertising for workers, and they'll actually, you think, well, I'd like to do that, but I don't have any training. I wonder where I'd get that training. And so they say, hey, we got you. you can, we'll train you. We have classes here. You can take them online or actually at our location. And they're located here in Yuba County at uh, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. Very easy to get to off the Highway 6570 Freeway just south of Marysville. So, but they have all kinds of training, guard card training. Uh, you can get your 
concealed weapon permit training there uh, and licensing, pepper spray training, handcuff training, taser cert- certificate training, de-escalation of force training. And uh, they, they have on their website, they say security is a great stepping stone for anyone looking at going into law enforcement. In security, people, um, in security, people learn about proper documentation and building good public relations. There are people currently working in the security field while going to school for criminal justice and or law enforcement. So it's a way you can earn some money while uh, improving your state and life, your status in life. Um, so this weekend they're doing a, uh, course for getting your license or renewing your license for carrying a concealed weapon. And in June, they're going to put all their courses on pause so their teachers can take the month off and have a little break. So they're not going to be doing any courses in June, but they still have all their security operation going on. You can get a live scan done at their offices uh, every day of the week, get a live scan done, whereas most places around town, you got to pick a time and an hour to get it done. If you need a mobile notary service, you think, oh, man, I got it. We need a notary. And I don't, I, you know, it's going to be a hassle. They'll have somebody come by and they'll notarize right where you are. So, uh, again, if you need a job, if you if you want to, if you've got some problems on security issues, Monty is a great brainstormer on solving problems. And whether it's uh, maybe the need for a camera or just some skilled sleuthing work, uh, you can get that done. So check out their websites or dial them up at seven four nine zero two eight zero and you'll be uh, you'll be better off for it. Uh, so I in uh, excuse me here I forgot to do something. All right. Just gotta get there. We go. All right, had to, had to make a little adjustment on the computer. And up in, I don't know, you know, there's, I don't know how many of you are listening outside of California. I know my friend in Missouri keeps telling people and people are connecting from Missouri and some in Idaho. Actually, I had a Vietnam vet connect uh, regarding a territorial dispatch article from Montana the other day. I don't know whether he listens up there, but... If you're not in California, it's a unique experience here now. I'm sad to say I'm a I'm a fourth generation Californian and it hasn't always been like this and it saddens me. And if I wasn't at the end of my life um, and where most of my work is involving a church here and uh, going overseas out of San Francisco, I'd probably move in a heartbeat because uh, because I can. But here I am, and but I'm I'm watching a state that was one of the most attractive states in the union uh, become uh, has become a socialist state where everything we do is managed, everything we do is taxed. They tell you whether you, as someone I read the article or the letter earlier, they tell you whether you, or not you can have. Uh, it used to be they wouldn't even offer you water. Uh, at they wouldn't even bring water automatically at a restaurant. You had to ask for it because they didn't want you to drink any water. Uh, you now uh, you can get a, a straw if you don't want to put your lips on the glass. Like when I go in foreign countries, they always give you straws because uh, for cleanliness they don't want you to put your lips 
on the glass or the can or whatever else because their water isn't clean and purified. And so they always give you a straw. It's just a courtesy. And in, in this kind, I mean, there's just one thing out. They tell you whether you can water, how you can water your lawn, whether you can wash off stuff, whether you can wash your car at your house or whether you could go to get a, a your car washed at a at a donation place where they're raising money to go to Washington, D.C. To, to see the sites. You know, I mean, it's just bizarre around here. Fishing. Somebody told me a fishing license costs a couple hundred dollars. It's just to go and put a line in the water and try to catch a fish. You got to pay the government a couple hundred dollars. It just, it, it's just ridiculous. And so, um, in Yuba County, we're fighting one tax. It's almost like throughout the state, if it's either at the state or county or the city, you're dealing with. It's almost every month there's a new tax that they're proposing. And so we're fighting over a Measure K sales tax increase, which uh, got 53% of the vote in November. And our side contended it should have got 66 and two-thirds percent of the vote to pass. So we're now in court contesting that. The money's been collected but held in an account, supposedly, until the case is settled. And I think the lawsuit continues in August. But now, we, if you look at your—in Yuba County— you know, we have these taxes like you do all over the country, property taxes. But then the property tax bill is a convenient way if they pass a school bond or a drainage bond or a flood bond or levy bond or utility bond. They add all those things onto the the sale, the uh, property tax bill and collect all that money. Then when the money comes in, they disperse it out to these various funds. So now uh, I, I read, I was looking through a, a tax bill from Plumas Lake, which is an area of Yuba County. It's a nicer, uh, it's a, a current subdivision built in the last 15, 20 years. Very nice homes, nice parks. And, uh, I was looking at their tax bill and about when you look at the total at the bottom, the total represents a hundred percent of the amount paid, but the property tax portion of the hundred percent is only about two thirds. And another third is all these additional fees and, and uh, assessments, etc. So recently the uh, people, not all the people in Yuba County, but people in this particular zone of Southern Yuba County, they got a, a letter. They received a letter from the um, Reclamation District 784. Now, they're the people that maintain our le levees and waterways, not the river so much, but all the ditches and drainage and any bypass type things that are going on. And they have pumps. And in other words, when heavy rains come, they get the water moving so flooding doesn't occur. Right. And they maintain these things because if you don't maintain them. When you need them, they're not going to be available. So we've done a lot of levee rebuilding or improving over the last, say, 14, 15 years. Started with an agency that was created called Trilla, Three Rivers Levee Improvement Agency. And they got, they raised a lot of money through assessments. And then they got government money, state and federal money, and mil hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's still functioning, Trilla. Uh, I think they, I think they, 
their website said they start around 2004. And uh, they were the primary motivators in getting levies rebuilt, funded and rebuilt, right? So they're still going on. But then the RD Reclamation District, RD 784, they're the ones that do the maintenance, right? So now this, this RD 784 sent a letter out saying it was interesting because they said, hey, uh, the assessment that we're already receiving on your taxes is only about 50% of what we really need. We just were running out of money. And they included in this the maintenance costs, the fact that that they needed to build a levy along what we call the gold fields. Now, during the gold mining days, uh, they they created, they built these dredgers, big machines that dug into the earth, and then they, they made giant sluice boxes where they could run the... the the uh, material through with water and they were finding lots of gold out there back in the day. Well, wherever they worked along the Yuba river, uh, they weren't out in the river, but next to the river or where the river had been maybe in the past, uh, wherever they finished dredging, it created a big pond where there's what we call dredger ponds and in huge piles of round, beautiful cobble rock, cobblestone, we call it. And uh, so out in that area, there's these high mounds of rock. But when the river gets high, because the rock is not like a levee, the water can actually permeate through it, percolate through it. And so you wonder how, how are these amazing big ponds that people go out and fish and everything in them? How are these amazing big ponds? How do they get how do they stay full of water? And it is because the water from the river percolates over from the aquifer, right, right into those ponds. Well, in about 1950, we're, we're susceptible to a lot of floods out here in Yuba Sutter counties because we have two or three rivers. Well, we got Yuba, the Yuba River, and the Feather River, and then we have the Bear River, and all those can affect flooding in Yuba and Sutter counties. Uh, actually, we have the Sacramento, too, that's not too far from us. So, anyhow... Uh, when Trilla, the Three Rivers Levy Improvement Agency, uh, they laid out the objectives to make us safe with a 200-year, uh, from a 200-year storm, uh, they they did a great job where they worked. But uh, a few years ago, the guys that write for the Territorial Dispatch, a guy named Eldon Fowler, began to ask the question, well, wait a minute, N- no one is his no one is addressing a levy to block the water coming through the what they call the gold fields or those dredger ponds because the water can just if it gets high enough it can just flow through there and it did back in 1950 and it flooded out an area called linda and so you know typical of anything that territorial dispatch says it's like uh everybody shoots the messenger and they're all they say oh you're just a naysayer well the you know, uh, John Missler, who owns the Territorial Dispatch, used to be on the Board of Supervisors and one time sat on the Yuba County Water Agency as a director. So he he knew something about flood control. But so they were addressing, they say, how, how, great, what you have done is great, but how come you're not addressing and building a levee that would, would block water from coming through uh, western Yuba County near the gold fields? And so finally... Uh, after the big expose in the newspaper a couple times, the Trilla board 
uh, began to address that issue and look at it. So now, uh, lo and behold, all these years later, years later, now they're saying, oh, now we need more money because we need, you know, uh, we're not going to be able to get certified by the federal government that we have protected all the houses properly because there's this stretch up by the gulf fields we didn't do anything with well it's funny that nobody brought that up except for some newspaper people so now uh rd384 is saying they need to contribute towards the building of those levees now i didn't think they did that in the past that's why we created trilla right to build the levees rd384 was maintaining them so uh, I wanted to read you last night. So, for instance, they sent out this slick flyer to all the uh, residents down in that part of the, of the county. And basically, uh, they said, hey, basically, they said, we're RD784 and we're, we work hard and we, we, we do the most we can with a little money. We have a few employees and we're, this is our this is our scope of responsibility. And the fact is, we need to build this levee up here along the gold fields, and we don't have the money to do that. And if we don't do that, then it's going to cause all these problems. We're not going to be able to get proper certification by the government, by FEMA, you know, Federal Emergency Management Agency. And um, and it may affect your flood insurance. It may affect construction of new buildings out here. Uh, you know, it could just screw everything up. Development out here can screw it up. So anyway, uh, but they really didn't get down to talking about when you look at Trilla, uh, their, their budget, they posted their budget online and they have, they had one year, $7 million in, in budget surplus another year's $8 million. And, and I haven't looked at uh, RD 784, but other people have, but anyway, uh, this one guy, He's a Plumas Lake resident. I'm going to read through some of his letter because I think it's fascinating. He attended this meeting because there's been some blowback. So here's the deal. They sent out this letter and they said, we're going to have a, a vote. But it's not a vote where you go into a, ballot, uh, a polling area and vote in a, you know, a booth. They just send out a, a packet. And if you if you want to oppose this revenue increase, assessment increase, you got to send it in and say no. Uh, if you don't do anything, then they're going to ignore any opposition. If no one did anything, it would all pass. You understand? They'll t they'll, it's all doublespeak. They say, well, it's not a yes. If you don't send it in, it's not a yes or a no vote. No, it's a yes vote. Because if, if no one sent in that ballot, the revenues would go up. You would be assessed a higher amount. So the only people that are going to have any real say here, if you have opposition, is if you mail that in, say no. So the ballots have come out, so it's up to you whether you want to fight it or not. But, but it's taken a while because the government around here is true of all of California. They only tell you what they want you to know. So they had a big open meeting, supposedly, the uh, night before last, I think it was, or last night. And this guy is a pretty sharp guy. He says... He says, I attended the RD-784 meeting, and here's my take. RD-784 needs more money. That's what he said. The assessment process is complex and in some cases completely unfair. However, 
homeowners' mileage may vary, but assessments for pro- majority for the majority are likely less than $500 a year. But if you own five acres of bare land near the airport, near your $300 uh, a year assessment jumps to $5,000. He said, imagine that. In other words, the assessments are based upon uh, the value of your property, how much you're going to have to pay. He says, I think eight full-time workers for RD-784 and its board are working very hard to keep us safe. I don't question their integrity. This slick consultant they hired doesn't understand that the communications about this issue were handled very badly. And it is completely shocking to me that Yuba County, and in particular the supervisor Gary Bradford, is not out in front of this issue. In other words, nobody sat down and explained all these issues and got the budgets out so honest people could get all the facts until it all of a sudden you got the ballot in the mail so this guy said they have known they they are the supervisors of this county and the yuba county water agency and rd 784 have known for more than two years that this problem was coming the one aspect of this entire issue that raises my hackles is how a small subset of property owners are being assessed high amounts while our county taxes benefit every person living in the county. Uh, so he says, we pay taxes to the county on our land. They spend it. We then pay special assessments on our property without any help from the county. And by doing so, we maintain a level of safety that encourages further housing development and growth, which benefits the entire county and all its residents. But we few living in these special assessment areas foot the bill. Now, this guy's obviously a transplant from San Diego because he says this, which will get your attention. In San Diego, I paid $600 a year in property assessments on a a $540,000 home. Now, that's property assessments. That's above his property taxes. He says, comparatively, this is on a a half-million-dollar home. In Plumas Lake, I pay $1,500 a year for assessments on a $300,000 home. Let me say that again. I pay in San Diego $600 a year for property assessments on a $540,000 home. In Plumas Lake, I pay $1,500 a year for assessments on a $300,000 home. Why is that? Because San Diego County does not allow special assessments districts to run wild. And that's what's going on in our counties right now. They keep them under one roof and on a leash over there in San Diego. Yuba County constantly promotes how broke they are, but in addition to the property taxes we already pay, they have allowed special assessment district to run their own course. And when asked why they don't contribute to fixing this shortfall, all I got was a standard policy answer that avoided the question entirely. When I asked if Yuba County had anything stopping it from providing the shortfall funds, the answer from Bradford was no but then followed up by an invitation to come down and help figure out the budget yourself. What an idiot. If we vote no, the consultant raised the specter of mandatory flood insurance and potentially scary cost. Development will slow. Housing prices will fall. The sky will fall. There will be locusts and plagues. The water will turn to blood. The darkness will prevail for three days. Oh, no, no, that was, ex- ex- out of Bi- that was out of the Bible. That's Exodus. We will be stuck in our homes forever, or at least until the next floods come. 
Oh, and here is a kicker, the guy says. There are a few months away for we're only a few months away for submitting documentation that would give our area another ten years of certification that our system is safe. If we vote no, they will not submit recertification applications and all the scary things they mentioned could come to pass. Or not, because like everything in politics, taxes and government, there is more than one road to follow. If we vote yes, there is no guarantee that we won't find ourselves staring down the barrel of the same issue again in a few years. And frankly, folks, if you don't have flood insurance, even with the protections of RD-784, you are risking everything because when the floods come, and they will come at some point, RD-784 ain't going to fix your property. So if you are if you don't know about our area, we've had floods in 1950, 1955, 1986, and 1997. Those are like massive floods up here. So anyway, he goes on to talk about this, and um, he says, "I at the end, he says, I really feel bad for the guys running RD-784. They were the most straightforward people speaking at the meeting, and my impression is that they're doing one heck of a hard job, short-staffing, short-funding. Anyway, um, so here's my take on it. Uh I think people are burnt out. I think that the when you ask Plumas Lake people, I you know I'm talking. I have friends in Plumas Lake. They tell me what they're paying in taxes. I'm just totally blown away. I'm over here in Marysville. I'm in the same county, but in Marysville, and, and honestly, we don't have near those costs. Thousands of dollars less. And so, we have. This is what's so frustrating about this whole thing we have this yuba county water agency that now doesn't want to become be called yuba county water agency because they're too cool to be called that it's now called yuba county yuba now now called yuba water agency there you go and whenever they feel the anointing from god then they give money to certain things that they consider a nexus with their mission now, the nexus, any XUS, that means a connection. So their mission is water, producing water, conserving water, re- replenishing the aquifer here in the valley, providing water to farmers, flood control, and producing power, right? So anytime there, you, can, you need money, like if your last name ends, like if my name was Lou Waters, I could apply for money because there's a nexus. My name's Water, right? Or if my street was named water, or if I'm a supervisor, then that's a connection because, you know, or, or say, I, if I said, hey, I live on 11th Street in Marysville and people drive up and down my street when they're trying to leave f- fleeing a flood, they maybe they'll pave my street because they paved out there in Supervisor Griego Street and they paid, paved over in Mr. Vasquez's, Supervisor Vasquez's street. Because people, during a flood, they would drive up and down the road. That would be Oliverst Avenue and 7th Avenue and Northfield Road. Supervisors got their roads paid, paved. But maybe if I said, listen, my former name was Waters, and I live on 11th Street, and it hasn't been paid, paved in like 100 years, and I noticed people during a flood, they flee down my street. So maybe they would pay. So my suggestion to solve this entire thing is to vote no on this proposition to raise money for RD 784. Not that they don't need it. I think they need a levy at the gold fields. 
And what we have, Trilla has seven to eight million dollars in surplus. And we have Yuba County Water Agency, now who likes to be called Yuba Water Agency. Uh, they have a hundred million dollars in reserves because every time you say that they just freak out because they say, well, you know, if we have to fix something instead of $5, it's going to cost us 5 million. I know that guys, uh, you know, take an Oxycontin and relax. You'll make it right. So why don't you just get some money? You say that belongs to all the people of the County. You kind of say that. It's it really you you know really what you want to say is it's your money, but you're sharing it with the county residents. Now, this assessment is gonna benefit, like this gentleman wrote, all the citizens of the county, supposedly. So since it's gonna benefit all the citizens of the county, it's for flood protection, which is the mission of Yuba Water Agency formerly known as the Yuba County Water Agency, formally voted into power by all the residents of the county of Yuba. Why doesn't the agency just pay to build this levy, contribute enough money to make up the difference, and help RD-784 with its shortage and solve this whole problem? So the first step is for you out there in Plumas Lake and South Yuba County is to vote no at some point, you have to say no to more taxes because in 2020, you're probably going to have two more school board or two more school bonds come on the ballot. And I don't know how many you're paying for now. I think I'm paying for five, five different bonds here in the city of Marysville. But down there, I think you probably got a Wheatland. You probably got a couple extra ones over there. Maybe you don't have any Marysville Joint Unified. I got a Marysville Joint Unified School District plus three Yuba College ones. So I would vote no on the new assessment. And I think we ought to petition the Yuba County Water Agency, now known as the Yuba Water Agency, but formally voted on by all the members of the tax paying public of Yuba County back in the 1950s. Uh, it, they over 90% voted to create this agency to provide flood control and water to farmers. So vote no on the, the assessment and then tell the agency to cough up some money since it's uh, the cause flood control and water management is exactly what this agency was created for. So that's my plan, and I'm sticking to it. So that's what I think. And uh, probably I don't know that enough listen to this podcast at this time to sway the election. But I think you should do that. That's what I think. You can pass the word along. I had a lady, well, I don't know, there's a lady or a guy, you know, somebody texted me, and all they had was a phone number on the end of that thing. And uh, they said, Lou, yes or no on this? I said, no. And she said, thank you very much. So she or he moved on their way. Uh, so there you have it. All right. Well, uh, I want to mention uh, another supporter of us, and that is Greenitz Construction. And uh, GreenitzConstruction.com or Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook. 
and you can check out their amazing remodels. They are the remodel king and queen in up here in Eubin Sutter counties. Uh, it's shocking how much of a difference they make in a bathroom or a kitchen. They'll remodel a whole house, but but a lot of times people just say, you know, I want my bathroom. I want my kitchen remodeled. I want new this, new that. I want to blow this out, add this window, add this square footage. I want to make my bathroom be like we're in the outdoors, but be in the indoors. Amazing. And so you can see on this greenestconstruction.com website some amazing before and after shots. They are not shots that he stole off some other website or off some internet uh, photography gallery. But they are shots of his work. Now, he also does whole house fans. I noticed today it's starting to get warm today. And if you have a whole house fan, that keeps you from having to turn on that air conditioner and start sucking that power that pg&e is going to start licking its chops to when they add you add all that hundreds and hundreds of dollars to your bill some of those utility bills get up to two three four five hundred dollars a month because they're running that air conditioning but if you had a whole house fan with green it's you could solve that the other thing if uh you know like i had dave come in and put all new windows in the on my south side of my house and uh i've had him do a number of like window different things and small kitchen remodel nothing as fancy as what he's doing on his websites man that dude can do it so if you're a millennial and you have real real hard times talking to people like face to face and stuff uh you could actually go on his website and you don't have to talk to him you can just email him i know a lot of you millennials you haven't got used to it because you just like sit across the room from each other and text each other so you can actually email him off his website to ask him more questions after you see what you want to see there and then he if you want to actually when you work up you can like you know you can take a uh, xanax or something before you dial the number so you're relaxed you can dial 530-682-9602 582-9682 uh, sorry 5 530-682-9602 or just grab the number that you see on the website, and that will refresh your memory. And uh, he will. The, the interesting thing about Dave, is if he tells you something, he actually will do it. Do you think that's that's an uh, amazing characteristic? It's really rare today. You say he says we'll make an appointment Monday at 9 a.m. and he actually shows up at Monday at 9. You got, you need to have your hair combed and showered up because he's going to be there, right? And if he says we're going to be we're going to start and we're going to be done on these days and we'll be all cleaned up, you can count on it, right? And um, so that's the way he operates. It's it's a first class operation. And the, one thing about him, a lot of times contractors they just are always hustling new business because they don't get any repeat business. But Dave has a lot of repeat customers. In fact, I was at dinner. The other night down in Wheatland uh, with a few couples. And I don't know how we got on it, but they asked me if I knew Dave Greenitz. And they, they just went on and on and on about how they like Dave Greenitz. So uh, you find out all over town he's got a good reputation. And he's not hiding from people. He's got a website, got Facebook, strutting his stuff out there in the marketplace. And all the subcontractors are strutting their stuff. So check it out and uh, go get yourself. And if you want a little discount, you might cut you a little deal if you say you want a deadhead discount or you want to say mate, you listened to it, uh, heard, heard all about it on No Hostages Radio. 
So there you have it. All right. So we're getting down to uh, the last uh, few uh, seconds of our second 30-minute hitch. So uh, we'll be we'll be right back. And uh, let me see what we're going to do here for a second. We're going to play you uh, just a little clip from the NRA. And then we'll be right back. Just a short break. Just let me hose down my throat. Be right back. threat is real. You sit in meetings with advisors and operatives who tell you there could be Islamic sleeper cells in every major American community. You know the southern border is a welcome map for terrorists to enter our towns and neighborhoods at will. You know about their plots to kill us in our shopping malls, our sports stadiums, and our office buildings. You won your office by talking like a champion of freedom. Now it's time to act like one. Pass a national right to carry law that guarantees my constitutional right to defend myself, my family, and my fellow Americans anywhere inside our borders. And make sure the enemies of freedom know the power of freedom. No law-abiding Americans should be forced to face evil with empty hands. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Even though I am a sinner, he will always be my friend. Well, he starts in the middle, and it does not have an end. And when my soul was held for ransom, yeah, he is the one who paid the price. Yes, he did. Ain't no reason to deny it. Oh, all to Jesus Christ. Yes, I do. God bless you. hope you enjoyed that uh, little clip from the NRA. I think that's what it's from, right? Freedom Safest Place. I wanted to read a couple. I get this magazine from NRA, and it it uh, it's a one-page uh, segment out of this magazine, and it says, The Armed Citizen. It says, uh, Late One Night, in West Philadelphia, a store owner was at the counter of his business when a masked man with a gun entered the building. The man then tried to rob the store as the owner and a clerk were inside. The owner pulled out his pistol and fired at the masked robber, who was hit in the stomach. The robber fired several missed shots at the store owner as he fled the premises and entered a gateway, getaway car. Police later found the masked man unconscious in the driver's seat of the car with a pistol on his lap. The robber was pronounced dead at the hospital. That just happened uh, about 40 days ago. Here's another one. <clears throat> Pretty gnarly. In Milwaukee, an armed robber turned fatal. Armed robbery turned fatal one night in mid-March. A man is accused of making arrangements with a woman to buy her computer and associated digital watch 
He allegedly told the woman to make her feel more at ease that his girlfriend would handle the transaction. Police said the man gave his girlfriend a gun, which she pulled out while entering the woman's car where the items were. Both the women struggled over the gun. As the girlfriend began to retreat from the car, she fired shots at the woman. This is a woman that was trying to sell the, the products, right? However, the woman was a that was trying to sell these items was a concealed carry permit holder. She retrieved her own firearm and fired back, striking and killing the girlfriend of this man who was trying to rip her off. Police determined the incident was self-defense. As a result, the man was charged with felony murder involving the death of his girlfriend. And finally, a jitney driver said he feared for his life in Duquesne, Pennsylvania during an ordeal in April. The driver picked up a man and a woman. The driver described feeling something amiss when the man suddenly told him to take a side alley before requesting a stop. The man told the driver he intended to rob him and struck the driver between the eyes with his gun. Bleeding, the driver left the vehicle while while then being pursued by the robber who was pointing a gun. Cornered and fearing for his life, the driver pulled out his concealed firearm and shot at the would-be robber three times. Police were called and found the assailant dead at the scene. The woman fled. The driver had a permit and was not charged by the police. I love these interesting stories where people that happen to be a gun carrier save their own lives. Now, I believe this whole month is a month to recognize our military forces. And sadly, there's a, a segment, I don't know how big it is, but there's a segment of our society, certainly much of the liberal Democrat Party, that hate the military, and they also hate law enforcement. And I hate that. So uh, one of the days... Of, of honoring and remembering our military's Armed Forces Day, and that just occurred last last weekend. This weekend is Memorial Day. So Armed Forces Day, I, I wrote an article called Armed Forces Day for the Territorial Dispatch, or you can you can read it there at .biz, territorialdispatch.biz, or you can read it. We'll also post this uh, along with this uh, podcast. We'll post this article. Uh, at nohostagesradio.com, okay? So, but I'm going to read a couple comments about it. It says, this is George Washington. He wrote this in 1775. He said, when we assumed the soldier, we did not lay aside the citizen, and we shall most sincerely rejoice with you in, a, in the happy hour when the establishment of a, American liberty upon the most firm and solid foundations shall enable us to return to our private stations in the bosom of a free, peacefully, and happy country. In other words, George was excited about everybody laying down their guns and returning to just hang out with their families. But I wrote, if it weren't for the will to fight and die for freedom, there would be no United States of America Now, the will to fight, that's Armed Forces Day. The will to die, that's Memorial Day. We remember the dead that gave their 
the life they gave their lives for this country so we could have a beautiful life here today and whatever life you think you got if you think it's really funky well at least you're able to have a funky life for all the people that gave their life for you so that's memorial day armed forces day is we're remembering the living that are out serving today so i i wrote my lead was, if it weren't for the will to fight and die for freedom, there would be no United States of America from the beginning. With those fleeing religious persecution in Europe and the Revolutionary War with England to now, there have been one conflict after another to secure the American way. Do you believe that that's true? Well, it's very true. And uh, so I actually contrasted the current president who is who loves our nation obama hated our country clinton's just wanted to see what they could get out of the country president trump doesn't even take a salary all he wants to do is see what he could do because he loves the nation he loves the military and he loves law enforcement so uh in 2016 just in time for armed forces day Obama chose the occasion to confirm Eric Fanning as the first homosexual army secretary in the history of the country. You know, those are the first. It's like Obama was the first guy to bang a guy up the backside. That was Obama. You know, he was the first in a lot of weirdo stuff, perverted stuff, right? And uh, so uh, Obama brought our military forces below the pre-World War II levels. He thought that was a good idea. And he fired over 200 leaders in command positions, so much for Armed Forces Day last week, right? Obama was more interested in homosexuals and transsexuals in the military than he was in having the backs of our military warriors. He just wanted people to be able to get up the backside of them, not have their backs. And who could forget... Obama shamefully honoring deserter Bo Bergdahl at a White House ceremony. You remember that? He was out there in the garden with, with Bo Bergdahl's parents. And his dad did some stupid Islam chant. I felt like if I was there, I'd want to just jack slap that sucker. Bo Bergdahl, he honored him. Remember Susan Rice called him a hero? Oh, my God. She is an idiot. And then they, Obama and Hillary and U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice, they're prolific liars. They lied. Remember they said Benghazi all occurred because of some nutcases. He created a trailer about a movie about Islam. That set the whole thing off. Total fabrication that they still repeat today. It's just totally ridiculous. And finally, this week has also been California's week. Uh, the state of California to honor and uh, take pride in uh, a guy named Harvey Milk who loved to screw the butt of little boys. Now, I don't know. In California, you're proud of that. The governor, they're just proud. Hollywood's proud of that, that that if oh well you know if he wants to go up the backside of a little boy a minor you know we used we used to arrest people like that but now we give them a we give them a day to honor them and so and uh, 
we honor Harvey Milk. I think Harvey Milk Day was the 22nd or 23rd, maybe it's today. But my friend who has children at Mary Kovalod School just down the street from me, she called up and she said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm not coming to school if we're doing that Harvey Milk thing. And they said, oh, we're not doing that. So she said, well, I'll leave my kids there then. Because Randy Thomason of SaveCalifornia.com advised you to pull your kids out of school this week, or at least for Harvey Milk Day, uh, so they wouldn't honor a pedophile, right? So, but but Obama was the guy who, this is so strange, that of all the ships, he could have named a, a destroyer or an aircraft carrier, but he named an oiler. Hold that thought. An oiler ship called Harvey Milk. Isn't that amazing? Well, uh, I got to thinking, I wonder how many people have died. You know, we always talk about that, people giving the ultimate sacrifice. How many people have died defending the United States of America, right? And I was looking it up, and it different places come up with different conclusions on how many have actually died. And uh, so I'll give you an idea here in a minute. I'm trying to scroll down here and get it all lined up. So some believe that, let's see, 2,852,900 maybe. Let's see if that's... uh, that may be dead and casualties. Dead and casualties. Let me look here and see if I, I got a scroll. I mean, this is so the, the reason this is totally U.S. casualties, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> so the total dead was probably less than that. But they're not quite sure because. It was hard to track in some some of these wars. But there's so many of them. Uh, like maybe there was... A, uh, well, I'll, I'll, let me give you a breakdown. It's easier to do it this way. So these are... And, and it depends on how they're counting the dead. Whether they got dead... Whether they got killed by a combatant or they got killed maybe in a plane crash or et cetera, et cetera. So uh, during the American Civil War, this one group that ranked all this says wars ranked by total number of U.S. military deaths. Right. I'm telling you, and they just do the top 12 American Civil War, 750,000. World War II, 405,000. I'm just doing a round figure, 400, 405.5,000. World War I, 116,516. Vietnam War, 58,209. Korean War, 54,246. American Revolutionary War, that's a war with England, 25,000. So just round figures because they didn't keep very good uh, count back then. The War of 1812, 15,000. The Mexican, I think, yeah, the the Mexican-American War, 13,283. Iraq War, 4,497. Philippine-American War, 4,196. Spanish-American War, 
2,246. Now, the other day when I did my last show, I was talking about a book called Message to Garcia, wrote by Albert Hubbard. And I referred to this booklet. It's all it's basically a newspaper article. It was a, a discussion at the dinner table between Albert Hubbard and his sons regarding who was the most valuable player or participant in this particular war. And I, I, I call it the Mexican-American War. But I when I after I said it, I thought ah, I, I misspoke. It's a Spanish-American War of 1898. So during that war, 2,246 were killed, Americans. War in Afghanistan, 2,216. But here's what's shocking. When you look at the amount of conflicts around the world that the U.S. has engaged in, in the United States and out of the United States, there may be over 60. And so when I say in my article that there's been constant conflicts there have been uh so some of the some of the other ones were the boxer rebellion santo domingo affair united states occupation of nicaragua mexican revolution occupation of haiti north russia campaign american expeditionary forces in siberia uh Conflict in China, Greek Civil War, Chinese Civil War, Berlin Berlin blockade, uh, the Cold War with USSR, Cold War with China, Lebanon crisis, Bay of Pigs invasion, Cuban Missile Crisis, Dominican Republic, USS Liberty incident, Iran, El Salvador Civil War, Beirut deployment, Persian Gulf escorts, invasion of Granada, 1986 bombing of Libya, invasion of Panama, Gulf War, Operation Provide, Somalia, Haiti, Colombia, Bosnia, Kosovo. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Raid on Yemen. It is a, it's, it's just an amazing thing. And, uh, and American troops, male and female... Uh, have have just given their lives over and over and over again uh, the, to the tune of nearly, when you add up the casualties and the fatalities, I, I'm sure it's three million or more. Now, some of these cases, they feel like the guesstimates were 20% low back when they didn't keep count, like in the Revolutionary War, or the Civil War, they just they just couldn't they couldn't they couldn't keep count. So here's another one. Uh, yeah, I think I read this one. That oh that the, these were totally U.S. deaths, but it didn't give a total of the of everything. But then ranked by the worst. Yeah. So pretty pretty amazing. So that's what that's what really remember, we're remembering as in Memorial Day this weekend is those that have uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so I'm a I'm a 1960s uh, late 60s graduate of high school, and during those years, I've, I've been thinking this last week of how each generation's lives, or the way they think about life, or the way they go about life, is shaped 
and, and what they've gone through. So my parents' generation, they went through the Great Depression, and then right after, within about uh, 10 years after the Depression ended, or less, uh, they went through the World War II. And then it no soon World War II get done, and some of the younger ones had to go again and fight in Korea. And it really shaped the way they went about life, uh, how they managed their money, how they appreciated and uh, were nervous about whether they had enough to eat or had, whether they're going to have enough money for the rest of their life, how they saved money, how they, just how they made decisions. Their value system was shaped by those difficulties. And I was noticing... Uh, my generation, many of the people, the male, males in my class, uh, you, we all had to register for selective service when we were 17, and then it was automatically you would be in the military unless you got a student deferment uh, with 12 units of classes. And as soon as you got done with classes, you would be drafted and go in the military, and either most everyone went to Vietnam, a few went to Germany, a few went to Korea. And so it really shaped my uh, generation. <clears throat> it shaped or destroyed a lot of the early marriages. People who got married right out of high school uh, because a lot of those marriages did not survive because the guys, uh, mostly it was guys, but there were a lot of women as well, went over as nurses and, and uh, other types of office workers and various things uh, to help in Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos. But... It really shaped uh, how the generation was going to pan out, uh, the, the difficulties around the war, and those that suffered through it were wounded by it and were uh, disrespected when they returned. It shaped uh, that generation. And so, uh, but the fact is today, uh, m most people that don't understand history would say that it was a waste of time in Vietnam. It was a mistake. But people that know the geopolitical uh, impact of that war know that it really did stop the spread of communism. It didn't stop it in Vietnam, but it did stop it in Indonesia, which is, uh, some of you may not know much about Indonesia, but it is much larger than Vietnam. It's the fourth largest populated nation in the world. And it had a significant communist move movement there. And uh, China was so uh, weary of the war in Vietnam, of supplying it uh, with ammunition and money, that when the leader of the Communist Party in Indonesia said, we want to start a revolution in Indonesia, just like Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos are doing, uh, and we want your support. The Chinese premier at that time uh, rejected that and said, we're not going to take on another military fight right now. And so they declined to support them. And the leader of the Communist Party in Indonesia went ahead and planned a, uh, an overtaking of the military. At that time, Indonesia was being managed or overseen by a dozen, 10, 10 or 12 military leaders. 
and they the Communist Party knew that they met every once in a while, so they, they knew where they were going to meet, and their idea was to attack these leaders where they were meeting, and when they attacked them, they would overtake the country uh, because they would have taken all the leadership under control, killed them or taken them under control. Unfortunately, a couple, two or three of the leaders, military leaders, were running late that day, and when they went in to butcher the ones that were there, uh, the ones got a heads up and called out to the entire nation to, they did, they weren't so much armed with, with guns as they were machetes. And they said, if you suspect that your neighbor is a communist, just go next door and kill him. And they did. And they said there was so much blood that blood was literally running down, uh, the pathways and streets and into the streams, uh, they killed so many people. So the uh, most people don't know much about the history of Indonesia, but if Indonesia, for, and it's today the fourth largest populated country in the world, um, so the, the fight through Southeast Asia had tested uh, China, and they weren't willing to fight on that way. Their their idea of taking over the world, they thought, was going to take on a different approach and strategy as as opposed to the current military fight in Vietnam. So if you say, oh, Vietnam was a waste, it definitely cost a lot. We cost us, uh, most people think of 54, 55 or more thousand uh, men and women died, plus many, many more were, were uh, crippled and maimed. And so... That's something that, uh, you know, it's it's just a cost of if if you enjoy America, you know, some of you only see bad in America. My recommendation for you, I don't I'm not into like this thing, love it or leave it. But honestly, uh, if if you're so uh, uninformed and narrow minded, you need to go and check out some other countries and and uh, see if if uh, how these things, how they they match up, because uh Every, we can't hardly keep people out of here. In fact, the southern border, we can't keep people out right now because of the Democrats. But people are trying to get in here every which way, whether it's from Canada, whether it's flying in and sneaking through the airport or whatever. They're coming through all which way, and they're begging us to take more and more people all over the world. And I think I gave you some statistics that over 20-some percent of the top 150-some countries in the world want to come here uh they they want to leave their homeland that's saying a big mouthful so uh i want to mention a few things we got about five minutes or so before we take another break and uh you may not know much about memorial day usually people take it to go fishing or barbecuing or go up to the lake or something something uh sometimes people get upset at that they think hey that's not what this is about my feeling is hey uh, if you appreciate what this country is about and you want to go celebrate with your family and, and be thankful for those that gave their life for this, like some of my high school friends died or were really damaged in Vietnam. Uh, I don't have a problem with people that I have a problem with people with gross ignorance. So, uh, Memorial day, I'll, I just want to give you a little bit of historical fact on Memorial day. Memorial day began as a response to the civil war. Uh, 
And the carnage, the amount of people that were losing limbs and parts of their face and eyes and huge damage. Uh, it was an unprecedented response to the damage, carnage of, world, of civil war, uh, in which a total of 620,000 soldiers died from both, the total of both sides. The loss of life and its effect on the communities throughout the country led to several spontaneous commemorations of the dead. They were spontaneous. In 1864, women from Bullsburg, Pennsylvania, put flowers on the graves of their fallen soldiers. You wonder where all this come from, decorating graves? This is here, 1864. And they did that right after the Battle of Gettysburg. The next year, a group of women decorated the graves of soldiers buried at Vicksburg, Mississippi Cemetery. Then in 1866, a woman from Columbus, Mississippi, laid flowers on the graves of both the Union and the Confederate soldiers. In the same month in Carbondale, Illinois, 219 Civil War veterans marched through town to me in memory of the fallen at uh, Woodlawn Cemetery where Union hero Major John A. Logan delivered the principal address. Um, some believe Memorial Day started officially at Carbondale. Others think it started at Waterloo, New York when they began holding an annual community service on May 5th, 1866. So, uh, like a lot of things, it started small and people copied it. They mimicked it, right? The holiday was long known. It, for, before it was known as Memorial Day, it was known appropriately as Decoration Day because they decorated the graves. Uh, they put wreaths, flags, flowers, the name Memorial Day goes back to 1882, uh, but still people had held on to the Decoration Day until way after World War II. It wasn't until 1967 where the day was actually officially named Memorial Day. Uh, so uh, that's that. So you think, you know, the whole idea of putting flowers today, if you see someone, they die along a roadway. Sometimes people put on a, up a cross and flowers and special little memorabilia there. So uh, that's uh, I'm just looking through some of the old. Uh, now uh, says on Memorial Day in 1988, 2,500 motorcyclists rode into Washington, D.C. for the first Rolling Thunder rally to draw attention to the Vietnam War. Soldiers still missing in action or prisoners of war. <clears throat> By 2002, the ride had swelled from 2,500 to 300,000 motorcycles, many of them veterans. There may have been a half million participants in 2005 in what organizers bluntly call a demonstration, not a parade. A national veterans' rights group, Rolling Thunder, takes its name from the B-52 carpet bombing runs during the war in Vietnam. So there are a number of customs that have, have grown up around uh, each of these holidays. I won't spend any more time on this, but I wanted you to know something about it uh, because I don't think it's good to go through a day or a holiday or a day of recognition without 
paying some attention to the heroics uh, that has kept our country safe with very few attacks on our homeland. And the one I always think of now is the Muslims, Muslim terrorist attack that repeatedly are blowing up things or flying airplanes into buildings or coming in with machine guns and mowing down fellow employees, etc., because of some you know, bean they got up their nose about something. So I hope this weekend you enjoy your uh, day and you don't drink and drive. In other words, if you drink, get somebody else to drive. Are you with me? So we're going to take a, another break here, and uh, I'm going to play you a clip by John Stossel, Sugar's Sweetheart Deal. A lot of conservatives like to speak out against welfare, but they don't say much about corporate welfare or what we call crony capitalism, where big business who's got clout and they donate to politicians uh, get some of our tax money instead of earning their own way. So we'll be right back. Cinderella, she seems so easy. It takes one to know one, she smiles. And puts her hands in her back pocket. Betty Davis style. Welfare payments. When people hear that, most of us think about poor people lined up for food stamps and rent subsidies. But America's biggest welfare recipients are politically connected corporations, like America's sugar industry. This small group of rich men gets billions of dollars in taxpayer subsidies. And yet they have the nerve to run ads saying, we don't. American farmers don't get subsidy checks. And America's multi-billion dollar sugar program? It costs taxpayers nothing. Nothing! Their spokesmen go on TV to say, We are a no-cost program. No cost to the taxpayer. That's absolutely bogus. Taxpayers do pay the cost. Ross Marchand of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance points out that sugar producers get bailouts by us taxpayers whenever sugar prices fall below a certain level. The government will buy sugar from the sugar processors and then sell it to ethanol producers at a below market rate. And who's paying the difference? Who's footing the bill? U.S. taxpayers. I wanted to interview representatives of Big Sugar about their sweet deal, but they wouldn't talk to me. So I'll present their deceptive arguments from their ads and public statements. Depending on others for food never works out as expected. Big Sugar has the nerve to use images from World War II to suggest we'll have food shortages if government doesn't give them a special deal. Does America really want to give foreign countries control over its food? Oh, please. Imports increase our supply of food. There are no import restrictions on most other foods, and we have ample supplies of them. Big Sugar also says... American farmers don't get subsidy checks. They get loans that are repaid with interest. Has to be repaid with interest. Repaid in what, sugar? They actually are allowed to repay in sugar if prices fall. And taxpayers must pay the difference. But sugar prices rarely do fall because America imposes quotas on domestic production and limits how much sugar we can import. 
These are Stalin style price controls and supply controls, and it does not help anyone. Well, it helps big sugar. The politically connected owners of the sugar companies collect several billion extra dollars from you. At roughly three billion a year. Creighton University economist Diana Thomas explains why Congress never repeals the sugar industry scam. The multi-billion dollar handout costs each of us maybe 10 or 20 dollars. We're not going to go to Washington to lobby against that, but... Each American sugar farmer made roughly $3 million a year extra. So each of them is willing to spend a lot of time and money making sure the law stays that way. In addition, Americans must pay billions more for food because Congress restricts imports of cheaper sugar from places like Brazil and India. I am prepared to get rid of the sugar program tomorrow if the countries we compete right. against get rid of theirs. Big Sugar's politicians say, since other countries foolishly subsidize sugar, we must retaliate. It basically allows our sugar industry to compete with other countries that are heavily subsidized. It's only fair to our sugar producers who don't get subsidized, who can't compete with these subsidized countries. Is it fair for customers to pay double the world rate for sugar? Is it fair for taxpayers to have to bail out a handful of super rich, super connected sugar processors? No. So crony capitalists host sweet benefit dinners while all of us pay more. The Americans least likely to smile are candy makers. They're the ones hurt most. There's one candy cane producer left in Ohio. That's absolutely ridiculous. And look at all those jobs. People from Akron, they need these jobs. 20,000 jobs a year lost, says this study. While Big Sugar pays for ads that say, Sugar has nothing to hide. That's because it's all natural. These products, they are bad for us. Maybe it's good we eat less because they cost more. Well, not all sugar products look like that. I mean, just look at bread. Bread and beer, yogurt, ketchup, and cereal. The fact that sugar is in everything means that healthy and unhealthy products alike are going to cost more. And all of that money is going to that handful of rich, politically connected growers and processors. So every time you buy anything made of sugar, you're getting ripped off by a clever group of businessmen who got your politicians to pass special laws for sugar. I wish you love and happiness. I guess I wish you all the best. I wish you don't do like I do and ever fall in love with someone like you. Cause if you feel just like I did, you probably walk around the block like a little kid. But kids well, don't know. we're back. And what did you think about the sweetheart deal that the sugar corporations are making? Don't you get tired of, of uh, <clears throat> people in business uh, cutting themselves what they call a fat hog? or getting money paid to them that's actually your money that you were forcibly uh, you forcibly had to pay to the government then they turn around and give it to people that are multi-bazillionaires does that seem sick to you? one of the problems is that when government which our founding fathers didn't want to happen but they, they did not want government involved in our daily lives. 
controlling our daily lives and controlling business, except in a very minimal way. But when government gets involved in business, business is going to get involved in government and try to get themselves uh, a better deal and outperform their competitors. In this country, you have competitors. And if the government can get an, an angle on it, they will. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> we lived communally when I was a youngster. Uh, a lot of us were Christians. We lived communally. And we had a paint contracting firm. And um, so we, we were training people off the street how to paint professionally. And, uh, and we were paying them properly according to all the labor codes. But the difference was they were turning around because we were living communally. We'd put all our money together, and then we would uh, take care of whatever expenses uh, we had. And then we were using the extra money to take in people off the street and help them find Jesus, get off drugs, and all that kind of stuff. And so we bid on a job at the Calusa County Fairgrounds to paint the entire fairgrounds. And our competitor turned us into the government. You see how it works? Threw us under the bus to the government saying, hey, 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 hey. Uh, these guys, uh, these guys are illegal. They're doing something illegal here. And uh, they're not paying their people properly and all that kind of stuff. So they use the government to try to eliminate us from the bidding competition. The government came in and investigated us and determined that uh, they were making a mistake and that we were obeying all the rules. So what happens is now is that government gets involved and uh, then the business gets involved. And so we see in the sugar industry, they have, they have figured out since the 1800s, I believe it is, how they now can um, actually get subsidized by the government and it forces the sugar prices up high and then sh the businesses that are depending on sugar move out of the United States. So I won't repeat what John Stossel said, but, but that's the situation. Now, I, uh, I was looking at an article today and... Um, I, I think I mentioned the last time we had a podcast that that we uh, I was talking to a young guy. He's a, almost sixteen, and he was his perspective was that mankind was a problem on the earth. He was buying this left uh, agenda that you hear in the school system that that humans on the earth are causing a big, big problem. And I said to him, I said, "Have you ever thought of it in a different way?" that actually the earth was created for humans and that humans having a footprint on the earth is no big deal. So one way you can look at it was we evolved from slime plus time and became something. And it was just a coincidence that men and women were plumbed differently. And when we got together, we produced children and then they can produce children, and they can produce children, and all the and it just happened. It's just a total amazing coincidence that there's water on the earth, and we we need water, and there's food on the earth, and it's exactly the type of food, the proteins, the amino acids, the the vitamins, all that stuff. It's just exactly what we need, and um, so I said, what if God created 
man and created the earth for mankind to live on the earth. In fact, when when the in the book of Genesis, it talks about in Genesis one uh, verse twenty six, it talks about putting man a couple in the garden and told them to uh, to take care of it and uh, manage what was going on. In other words, have a footprint, have a fingerprint, put your mark on. And he says also to have dominion over all the animals and the birds and everything of the earth. Right. We are supposed to have an impact here. So I said to the young guy, I said, what if uh, all these resources that we didn't even know what they were good for? Right. Back in the day, thousands of years ago, nobody knew what to do with oil. Right. Nobody knew what to do with lithium or iron ore. Right. It, and for many years, they didn't even know what to do with gold and silver until people in the Old Testament. You can read about Bezal- Bezalel and Uri, a son of Uri. Um, he began to create lamps and cups out of gold and bronze and all kinds of things. Right. They used different uh, resources. Now, how they figured out how to use those and even people had to figure out figure out how to use fire to cook things as opposed to just eating things raw. I've always wondered, you know, they say aspirin comes from what is the willow, uh, white willow bark tree or something like that, you know, or morphine comes from, uh, you know, a, a beautiful product called morphine comes from opium poppies and relieves severe pain that people are in either through some kind of accident or if they have to be operated on, right? And all these opiate-types drugs, which helps us survive a, a big operations. It's a blessing of God. So what if that the oil was no big problem to God, right? That oil was there all along, waiting for mankind to discover a use for it. And I don't know whether you um, ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies, back in the day, but, uh, there was a song they sang and I'll just read you the word says, come and listen to my story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground came a bubbling crude oil. That is black gold, Texas tea. And that describes how a lot of uh, discoveries came about as man uh, stumbled across across an idea. You got it? So uh, I was reading somewhere, a guy that's a lot smarter than me, he was talking about the improvement of people's lot in life around the earth. And and he talked about how just a, a number of decades ago, Uh, people are having trouble in communist countries feeding themselves. But today that isn't a problem anymore because they adopted a capitalist economy. And so he went on to say that before the industrial industrial revolution, that the average person in life was poor. That was what the norm was. And that a rich person was the outlier or the exception to the rule. Most people were all poor. And so, uh, but he said during the Industrial Revolution, 
people continue to come up with ideas and inventions and new ways of doing things and produce things where the individual can produce at a higher level. And so that meant that they could live at a higher level. And so with improvements and innovations and inventions, uh, we all had a better life. And so many people, if you're a baby boomer born in the, after World War II, you've seen some pretty amazing things. When you were born, there was no uh, mobile phones. There were no fax machines. There were no computers. TV had just begun. And now we can look at television on our, on our phone. So it's, it's sort of phenomenon. And so this lady who wrote in the World Magazine, you could look it up. It's uh, May 25th, 2019 issue, World Magazine. Her name's Andrea Sue, S-E-U, Peterson. And she, she just kind of turned this thing around, which is the right way to look at it, is that if God had a plan and that he doesn't have a problem with oil, you know, every, you know what, if you listen to the news agenda or the college agenda, Fossil fuel is big, bad, nasty. It's almost like a disease. And wind energy and solar energy, there's nothing could be found at fault with it. But neither wind nor solar energy can be produced and make a profit. It cannot exist on its own. You can't just go out like no farmer would go out unless they had some kind of government subsidy would go out and grow a crop that at the end of the the year they would be in in debt $10,000. That would be the last year they'd do that. But that's how it is with both wind and solar energy. And the fact that all the products that go into wind and solar uh, infrastructure, the, the panels, the, the windmills, the, all the stuff, are built with fossil fuel. So um, it's almost like, uh, as Andrea says, the, that the fuel, fossil fuel industry needs a new PR person. Because the fact is that fossil fuels have actually uh, made it so we could uh, be wealthy. And more and more of the world's people are wealthy. As the what we used to call the third world or the developing world has been able to tap into the resources of the West, the use of the, the mining, tapping into fossil fuels, and even some of my friends who are anti some of these hybrid foods, the hybrid food industry, uh, who some of the Americans that have plenty of food and they can choose organic if they want, uh, what do they call it, genetically changed foods? Those foods, those hybrid foods have allowed people that used to starve now to, to have plenty of food to eat because they're able to grow those different types of corns and wheats in other parts of the world. So she says, Andrea Peterson says, fossil fuel supplies 80% of the world's power and makes life bearable and climate proofed on this rock, or she calls the earth, for large swaths of humanity yet seems embarrassed about it. The first thing I, I, the first I ever heard of fracking, hydraulic fracturing, was not from a proud Chesapeake Energy or BP TV commercial, but from a neighbor who saw Gasland, gas which was a totally li- a big lie uh, 
video uh, on YouTube uh, thinking that uh, fracking was poisoning the water. Yet she says no other energy source has figured out how to generate electricity. Heating and transportation is cheaply and abundantly and on a worldwide scale as fossil fuels. Think about it. She says, and she's right, if you stopped fossil fuel today, boom, it's over. And all you had was, uh, all you had was electric and uh, solar, you would die. People would die. Millions of people would die because they would starve to death, right? They, it would just, the country, the nations would shut down. You wouldn't have fuel to run your tractors. You wouldn't have manufacturing. She says, uh, far from causing climate-related deaths, the fossil fuel industry has protected us from climate-related deaths. It's the industry that powers all other industries. It turned black liquid decay into prosperity for 4 billion people. We need more of it, not less of it. She said, look around your room. Most of the things in your room where you are are made with hydrocarbons. Your pen, the ink on your paper, the buttons on your shirt, your hair products, all coatings on furniture, the, f- the fertilizer that grew your clothes, the trucks that brought them to the market, your air conditioner, your heater. There no, there's no wind or solar way to replace a co- combine harvester to harvest wheat or as we, as we see here where we live, a lot of rice. Outlaw the fossil fuel industry and you and I will be not inconvenience we will die we've never heard the positives of fossil fuel we never hear of the negatives of wind and solar but those chic panels on your neighbor's roof are made using caustic chemicals i don't know whether you've checked into these batteries that uh that are out there that are being used for these electric cars but no one knows what they're going to do with all those toxic batteries when you know how they say don't put your batteries in the garbage bring them to a recycling center right she said they're made of caustic chemicals these panels require electricity to manufacture them and pose environmental problems in their disposal wind and sun are nice but as intermittent unreliable as well as wind and and uh as well wind and sun Good luck with the Green New Deal's 10-year plan to meet 100% of our energy needs, such and such and such. So it's interesting. I wonder this myself. She says, it seems like when you mention carbon dioxide, that sometimes she thinks that people are confusing it with carbon monoxide. Now, as a chaplain... I've been to more than one scene where somebody hooked the hose up to the, the exhaust of their car and ran it into their win- in through the windshield, closed their windshields up, and ran the car and killed themselves. Or they turned the car on and set in their garage and filled it up with carbon monoxide. So I think a lot of people, because people are stupider nowadays than they were when I was a kid, There was no question about what carbon dioxide was, and there was no question about what carbon monoxide was. And so um, carbon dioxide is a very good thing. In fact, if if you use greenhouse technology, it holds in the carbon dioxide and actually produces uh, 
wonderful, wonderful products uh, and flourishes a lot more in that controlled atmosphere than outside. So uh, here's a question for you. If the green movement were really about scary carbon dioxide, why are they suppressing nuclear energy and hydroelectric power? Technologies that produce no CO2 at all, and that are the only two realistic candidates for worldwide-scale energy supply. What is the Greens' real game? In other words, if it's all about CO2, what about those two? Like we got what we call New Bullards Bar Dam here in Yuba County that produces a lot of hydropower. It doesn't produce any CO2. What is the Greens' real game, Andrea says? It wouldn't be government control of every aspect of human life and economy through ginned-up environmentalism, would it? Or would it? Well, it's just something to think about, and um, I think she makes a great argument, and I think, I think fossil fuel is wonderful. And the beauty of it is we've now produced vehicles. They're, they're not necessarily electric, but vehicles that are much more efficient. They produce a lot less toxins through the muffler, and they run... Uh, much more efficiently use get a lot more miles per gallon and uh, so that's great right so uh, I wanted to mention to you also um, let's see what I want to do here for before we run out of time here today on this this segment um Every week, multiple times a week, people in this country illegally are committing crimes. Now you think, well, Lou, you know, people commit crimes in the country anyway. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is that uh, they're Americans and they're born here and we're, we're stuck with them. Bad people, right? You're stuck with them and you need to manage them. What you don't need is to inherit troubled people. You don't need to inherit troubled people. So um, we see this week, the highlight of this week was a man in Texas. He's a Kenyan. And he's in this country illegally. And they have him initially, they booked him for killing an 81-year-old woman. But then he, it seems like he's a killer of multiple women. He's now been charged with killing 11 uh, or 12 or more um, and taking their jewelry and other valuables to take care of himself. Now, Kim Leach, a spokesman for the Dallas County District Attorney's Office, said... Um, 46,000, or excuse me, 46-year-old Billy Chermurmer was indicted Tuesday on six more counts of capital murder and the deaths of women ravaged in age from 76 to 94 years of age. Uh, he's a Kenyan citizen living in the U.S. illegally. He's also charged in nearby Collin County, with two counts of attempted capital murder for similar attacks there. A Collin County grand jury also returned five capital murder indictments against Chimurmer 
on Tuesday. He's been in custody since March 2018, the death of 81-year-old Dallas woman. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. On and on and on it goes. He's been in trouble before. And uh, it's the same old problem of people being in trouble and then the local police not turning them over to ICE, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, police said uh, after they arrested him, he had health care experience taking, taking care of elderly people. And uh, so he, he got an advantage in targeting and exploiting seniors and taking their valuables and smothering them uh, and killing them in a variety of ways. And one lady he thought he smothered, she survived and was able to recognize him. So uh, they have now, uh, police, the police say that they investig- the investigators were reviewing about 750 unattended deaths of elderly people to see if there's possible links to other killings. So hold that thought. Every week, there are people that are uh, being run over, murdered, uh, assaulted, etc., by uh, illegal immigrants. And yet, nobody at the federal level is doing anything about it. In fact, it looks to me like uh, there are more and more people coming into the country, even more than under Obama. Because the borders have been uh, rendered like sieves because I believe that people like George Soros and other uh, left-wing people are encouraging folks from these Central and South American countries to come up here. And they, they're coaching them, the attorneys are coaching them on how to uh, utilize the loopholes, bring children up here and that we will not turn away abandoned children so that we'll give them sort of an anchor baby type hitch to get in this country. Now, Ann Coulter uh, wrote an article about four myths the media and politicians tell you about our border crisis. And myth number one is that illegal immigration is at an all-time low. And she says most Americans hear that and think Trump got us out of uh, – in other words, why is Trump making such a big deal about this? Because it's at an all-time low, according to the, uh, the media. Fewer, fewer illegals coming in. But she says, as you might have surmised from the illegals flooding your hospitals, schools, and churches, that's a lie. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, uh, illegals have been pouring across our border at rates not seen for more than a decade, 76,000-plus in February, 100,000-plus in March, 100,000-plus in April, 100,000 and climbing so far in May. In physical 2016, uh, the 12 months before Trump won the presidency, an annual of 46, an average of 46,000 illegals crossed the border each month. Today, we're taking in twice that many. So there's a concerted effort to run through the border, and take advantage of the loopholes that were created even prior to Trump's presidency. Trump trying to close the loopholes is getting nothing but resistance from Congress, both Republican and Democrats. So uh, these coming across are just the number of undocumented immigrants we caught. 
how many are actually getting in and through the uh, restrictions, who knows? So uh, number two, the number two myth is illegal immigrants uh, at our border are legal because they're asking for asylum. In other words, if a people from person from another country doesn't belong here, as long as they ask for asylum, then they're legal immigrants. Uh, she says an illegal alien seeking asylum is still called an illegal alien. It's against the law to enter the country without our approval. C8 USC 1325 of our code. Asylum is simply a defense to deportation. We could also eliminate crime by calling convicted felons legal reversal seekers or legal appeal seekers. Yes, a convict has a right to appeal his conviction, but until it's reversed, he's a convicted criminal. She says, uh, myth number three. Myth is, of course, something that's commonly believed but is no is not true. She said only 39% of illegal uh, illegals released at the border failed to appear at their hearings. She says, for starters, there's a million hearings. PolitiFact boasts in a headline, majority of undocumented immigrants show up for court data, uh, shows up for court. Majority of undocumented show up for court data shows. That statistic refers only to the first hearing, the preliminary hearing that sets future court dates. Showing up for one just buys illegal aliens another year or so in America, so you'd be an idiot not to appear the, for the first time. And yet, about 40% of illegals never stroll in for the initial hearing. That's just the initial hearing. It's the next hearing, the removal hearing, where the illegal uh, asylum claim is actually litigated, where another 40% of illegals, so that's 80%, skip that hearing altogether as well. If the illegal does drop by and loses his claim, about 85% do lose their claim, and is ordered... Uh, removed, then he is deported. Nope. Next, he can appeal that order and get two more years and not be counted as illegal in the U.S. She said, happy, fun times. So um, then she, she said, you, the taxpayer, are spending billions of dollars not only on baby formula, blankets, medical care for illegals, but for immigration courts, Border Patrol, and ICE agents. At the end of the day, the result is illegals crossing our border are never actually deported. Once they're in, they're in. Breaking into our country, and you are guaranteed a lifetime of support from the U.S. taxpayer. There's a reason we need a wall. So finally... Uh, Media myth number four, the media, the Democrat Party, and 90% of the Republican Party generally want to control our border but are deeply moved by the treatment of undocumented children at the border. She says that's false. The truth is they want illegals released from custody because then they'll never leave the U.S. As Latin America's poor discover this, more and more are coming. In addition to idiotic court rulings, requiring that illegals be released after 20 days if they drag a kid with them, Congress has ensured they're released by mandating that ICE have no more than 45,274 detention beds, uh, that 45,200 
In other words, that's the total. That's for all ICE detainees in the entire U.S., including gang members, cop killers, terrorists, everything. Every month, 100,000 illegals are crashing our border, and our entire government legal apparatus is designed to help them cross, minister to their needs, then turn them loose. Their brief stay in custody is is just about a little R&R, rest and relaxation, on the path to American welfare. So we're coming to the end of our fourth hour and uh, our fourth half hour. And we're going to pick this thing up in just a few minutes. So I'm glad you're listening and we will be back in a bit. What's the problem, sir? Get inside and I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for joining me. Here's what happened. I went outside to get a sandwich. I come back. My door's wide open. All my weed is gone. I'm sorry. Did you say all your weed is gone? Come on, Crockett. Don't tell me you don't know what weed is, man. Pot. Reefer. Marijuana. Yes, we know what it is. All right, well then quit dorking me around here, Tubbs. I'm a man who's been robbed it. All right? They took three choice blunt bushes and eight ounces I harvested last weekend. All right? So go. Get on the case, Jake and the fat man. Let's go. Right. You, you know we're police officers, right? What? I don't, I don't even understand what's happening here. The dudes that stole my weed is getting away, and I'm talking to the cops right here. All right, sir. Why don't you just tell us what happened? All right. Thank you, Cagney. All right, Lacey over here trying to jack me around, but I can see that you with it. All right, so last night, I was at the Blue Rose. All right, I shut it down, got real drunk. All right, I decided to drive back to my place for a little after-hours party. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you, you drove drunk. Catch up, Starsky. All right? Punch over here, he got a little pad out. He's gonna be writing down cop things. What you doing? What's your name? Melvin Dufresne. That's D-U-F-R-A-N-E. People call me Mellow Mel. At this point, I'm in my car, right? And all of a sudden, I lose control. I do a nose plant into a bus stop, decide to ditch the vehicle, set it on fire, two tears in a bucket. You know what I'm talking about, Pontarello. At this point, I make it back to my pad where the party's already happening, right here. And let me tell you, it's a white Christmas. If you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, okay, thank you for joining us, Tonto. Lone Ranger and I, we was having a discussion about a crime that happened. It's nice to see you here. Yes, I was doing cocaine. All right, most I've ever done. 
And everybody in this piece was talking over one another, right? We watching a bootleg copy of the Anne Boleyn girl. And this one girl, she trying to leave, right? She starts screaming. We wouldn't let her. Instead, we slip her some GHB, right? Put her out on the fire escape. She could be there still. I do not know. At this point, I go out to get my sandwich, which I stole because I ain't got no money. When I come back inside, that's when my weed was stolen. So, there it is, McGruff the crime dog. Scooby don't. Let's get on the case. Sniff out some perps. What? Why are you not left yet? Well, let me just make sure I got this straight. You, you got drunk and crashed a car. Set it on fire. Right. Then you snorted some cocaine. Most I've ever done. You, you held a girl against her will. Who was screaming? And you stole a sandwich. Is that about right? <laughs> into a single word I've been saying? Okay, sir. Right. Well, um, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to arrest you now because everything you've described is illegal. What you talking about, man? Oh, no, no. Oh, don't. Come on, man. This is ridiculous. What? I called you. I called y'all. Oh, all right. Yeah, welcome to Bush's America. Seen it before. Been there. Done that. All right, well, hold up. Hold up, Judge Dredd. Rob Snyder's character. Hold on one second. What if I had information about a murder. Well, you know, we could probably knock some of this down if you had information about a murder. Cuffs, please. <laughs> uh, would it uh, hurt or help me if I was the murderer in question? It would definitely hurt. Okay, you better just yeah. lock me up for that other stuff then. <laughs> yes, I am the stupidest man in the world. Am I not? problems and I uh, thought I had really goofed myself up but I think I got it figured out now so uh, I don't have to do anything over which makes me feel good well I I was talking to you about the the myths about immigration and I know you must feel like I do I look at the public pensions I look at government becoming more and more socialist and wanting control about every part of our life. And I look at hundreds of thousands. I can't even imagine what it must be like at the border for the Border Patrol with hundreds of thousands of people assaulting the border with, without the wherewithal for our employees down there to deal with it. And you just wonder where it's all going to end up. And... Uh, Victor Davis Hansen, who is a farmer intellectual that was raised in the Central Valley uh, and now is still a professor, I believe, and is part of the Hoover Institution, um, wrote an article, if I can get back to it, and it said... 
well, if I can get to it here. The title is Things That Can't Go On Forever Simply Don't. And uh, he quoted Herbert Stein, who's an economist, and his old adage was, if something cannot go on forever, it will stop. Seems obvious, doesn't it? So when I think of Venezuela and how wonderful of a, a nation that was for so many years, it was had the admiration of all Central and South American countries. And, but a change of view where people didn't know what they were doing and they bought into this socialism crap. And after following it for about 10 years, the entire country is now in shambles. People have lost an average of 25 to 30 pounds apiece. Millions have fled. Uh, it's a lawless country. Every supply chain has broken down. It's got more oil than probably any other country in the world, some claim, and it can't even provide its own gasoline. It can't provide enough food for its own people. It can't provide electricity. It cannot provide medicine. It is a complete meltdown. And so it's, it fits the ad, adage, if something cannot go on forever, it will stop. Socialism always nosedives and crashes. And so you wonder, how can we continue to pay for millions of people who no, do not contribute to this country and give them free stuff, billions of dollars of free stuff, and continue to have services collapse? How can we continue to pay? I had a, uh, a retired law enforcement official contact me and said, do you realize that under CalPERS that if you... If you take a certain plan in CalPERS that when you pass as an employee of CalPERS or a government employee, that you can actually have your retirement continue to be paid to your spouse. So who is going to actually pay for that? Because the employee never set aside enough money to pay for however many years he or she was going to survive and didn't set enough money for for his spouse or her spouse to live. So who's going to pay for that? And, and so as the adage is, if it can't go on, it won't. But here's the sad part of it is, this is what's critical about my friend Dave Bryan always says, whatever it is, it, life rises and falls based upon the quality of leadership. The problem is, is when you have a, a, a screwed up leadership, screwed up policies, you're going to face the, the consequences of those screwed up policies. It's not going to just going to happen to your neighbor and not to you. So Victor David Hansen says, Davis Hansen said at some point, American social services will be so taxed that the system will be rendered dysfunctional as is already occurring in the, uh, in areas of the American Southwest. He says, most of the people who enter the United States illegally arrive without fluency in English, a high school diploma competitive job skills or money the majority will require support subsidies and collectively they will require increased legal and law enforcement investments that means they're going to get arrested when they get in trouble he just talks about a lot of things that no one seems interested in correcting the liberals do not want to correct and open borders they just want people to come in here 
and sign up for all the benefits. No one in the government on either side of the aisle, as they say, seems to be interested about curbing the national debt or cutting back on spending. Each successive president increases it. Bush increased it. Obama increased it. And now it seems like President Trump is increasing it. Uh, the government, according to Hansen, says over the last 20 years, the government has most, mostly exhausted traditional economic stimuli, such as larger budget deficits, near zero real interest rates, and expansions of the money at supply. Common sense would dictate that in the present boom cycle, the president and Congress would get together to reduce discretionary spending and curb the growth of entitlements. But they aren't. They are not. They are not. Um, another solution would be to slash defense spending and entitlements and hope that neither a war abroad nor civil strife at home breaks out. But nobody is going to do anything. So it looks to me like there's just going to be a complete collapse. He said the common theme uh, of the original Americans was to kind of forsake your individuality, not everything, but but in other words, if you wanted to come here, you became an American. I was talking to my friend who immigrated from Mexico here a while back, and she said she knows people have been here 11 and 12 years. They cannot even speak English. That's just a tragedy. It's a real tragedy. So he says, but unchecked, he calls it tribalism, where where the country becomes where you're not American, but you're American hyphenated something else. And uh, he says meritocracy is abandoned as bureaucrats select their own, their own people, like Obama members say, my people, that's black people, right? Not Americans, but blacks. Or if a white supremacist, I've never heard whites refer to, in my, in my friendship circles, say our people, like, referring to whites it's just stupid she said it he says a kind of tower of babel chaos ensues as common language is replaced by a myriad of local tongues in the fashion of fifth century imperial rome class differences are subordinated to tribal animosities almost every contentious issue is distilled into racial ethnic victims and victimizers it's just fascinating he said so the maxim or the motto is, if it cannot continue, then it won't. And so at some point, there's going to be a complete breakdown. Now, I've been so fascinated that nobody is really calling this what it is, what happened to President Trump. This is a, a full-blown coup. They did not pull guns. They did not roll tanks up to the White House. But they tried to do this. On a bureaucracy level, chaos, coup, uh, throw the the entire administration into complete chaos. And uh, there's a guy named Joe DiGenova, and he used to be uh, worked with the FBI, I think, at one time. Maybe he was a judge at one time. But he's interviewed some on TV, and he's a very interesting guy. And uh, this says... He said, this note says, there's a very interesting assertion by Joe DiGenova stating he's 100% certain that Admiral Mike Rogers will be subpoenaed before Congress to confess 
that the uh, NSA was instructed or commandeered by Obama's White House to use NSA's electronic surveillance apparatus to spy on Trump. Mike Rogers was the original guy, you remember, that went to the Trump building and told Trump that he was under, uh, they were spying on him. He wanted to warn him he was being spied upon. That's what started this whole thing when Trump said, I'm being spied on. So DiGenova, Joe DiGenova says that Mike has been very quiet over the last two years and not spoken his truth about how Obama's White House forced him while he was NSA director to spy on Trump and his election committee. Joe adds that he and his own attorney wife have done their own investigation of Spygate and it suggests the notion that the White House spying against Trump began as early as 2015 and not July 2016 as the FBI publicly stated and lastly joe feels absolutely certain that over the next two years there is going to be perhaps two dozen criminal indictments of senior personnel of the fbi doj cia and the office of the dni that would be mr clapper admiral admiral mike rogers is going to be the knight on a white horse because he's the one who traveled to new york city in november 2016 to inform trump that Obama's NSA, CIA, FBI, and DOJ were actively spying on Trump. In fact, Rogers went to the FISA court in 2016 to tell them that the FBI was breaking the law by using NSA's collection product to investigate innocent Americans, which they're not supposed to do. DiGenova concluded that as soon as, as DOJ Horowitz's uh, IG report on Spygate is issued in May that shortly thereafter, Attorney General Barr will convene a federal grand jury to investigate all the scandals at FBI, DOJ, CIA, and the office of the DNI. Again, Joe is 100% certain this will be all unfold. Cardinal Comey, this guy calls him, or James Comey, former FBI, fired FBI Comey, will be at the head of the pack to begin wearing prison stripes, according to DiGenova. John Brennan will be right behind him. Well, I'll tell you, I would love to see that, uh, and I at least love to, I, I appreciate him stating it so we can all see it and read it. But that's the way I see it. I think they should be shot. Forget about prison. We're talking about a coup to throw, oh, the, only, the only thing worse is shooting him. Right. Shooting him. It's just it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Now, uh, I was I was watching uh, I was noticing on Facebook some people in the area here fishing. They were fishing. I, I don't know whether it's stripers. I'm not a fisherman, so I don't know whether they were catching stripers or whatever. But they were complaining. Of, they were saying what a beautiful fish fishing you know experience it was. But at the same time, they were saying how horrible the landscape of the river is just being trashed by homeless people. And it's so tragic. And they just said it's it used to be had some trash. But now they just said it is totally over the top. So here we are in San Francisco, one of the wealthiest cities in the world. And uh, they. The homeless numbers are growing by 17% in San Francisco and 43% in the county that includes Oakland. What they're talking about is Alameda County. 
So more than 25,000 people were counted as homeless during an overnight rally. Honestly, people, the, our insane judges, politically correct judges, are allowing the entire country to look more third world. It's interesting when you go to the quote unquote third world, you fly into any of these major airports, Singapore, uh, Seoul, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Tokyo. Their airports make ours look like garbage pits. I'm I'm telling you, if you have not traveled much, uh, it's embarrassing to be from the United States and to go into these beautiful places. And they would not tolerate for a minute what we have lost our friggin' minds in this country to allow people to be loaded on drugs, addicted, and not arrest them not force them into rehabs and not deal with them. And and these idiots in San Francisco say we just need to pay for more. They say our problem is affordable housing. Listen, people, our problem in America is not affordable housing. Is We do not have an affordable housing problem. What we have a problem with is idiocy and stupidity and thinking that basically the Democrat view that basically man is good and it's society's fault that somehow they're not they're not flourishing. The fact is that mankind is a sinner, and if you don't deal with that sin and funkiness in their life, they will destroy themselves, and that's what's going on. And we are we are participating in the funding of that destruction. Walter Williams, as an economist, says whatever you want more of, you fund it. If you want less of it, you tax it. And so we are literally funding this home, these homeless camps and this nonsense and allowing them to sue the government and for us to just pay for f- more free junk for people when what they need is to be forced into sober living and to be dealt with and, uh, and to have laws enforced and have them put in incarceration. The women and men that I talk, uh, talk to that are now sober inside jail are, are looking for answers to their broken lives. They are not looking for answers sitting out on the river bottom shooting heroin. It's absolutely nuts. And so the the mayor of what we have is another idiot mayor by the name of London Breed, uh, which who just says we just need, you know, if the government would just take the regulations off construction and all the bureaucratic crap and environmental nonsense, people would have the ability to build housing that is uh, a lower economic level housing and still be able to make money on it. But they are not going to build housing and people come in and trash it. Uh, and they're, they're not going to do that because the government is forcing them to do that. They're not going to do that. So Gavin Newsom, of course, just going to give about $650 million to build and extend, expand, uh, expand um, emergency homeless shelters. That's just what we do not need is more homeless shelters. Jeez, it's just, it just crazy what these people. And so, as I was saying earlier, if you want to remain in these areas where we have Democrats running the legislature, uh, you, we're, it isn't like, oh, the homeless people or the Democrats or the liberals are going to go down with the ship. No, we're all going down. And then we'll see who gets to, to rebuild it. Really tragic. I wanted to mention also um, 
about another uh, outfit that supports us, and that's the uh, plumbing doctor and uh, Ted Holmes. And they uh, helped me out over at my place and have always been reliable and do a good job and save me some money. And so you can get a hold of those guys in the Yuba Sutter County's area, 530-671-9111, 530-671-9111, night or day. So if you have a business and you've and you got a fast food or you've got a restaurant at night and things get clogged up, you can call them. Boom, they will be over there, 671-9111. So uh, they will help you and solve your problem, keep all that water either coming into the house or going out of the house, whichever way it's supposed to run. So um, there's there's that. Let's see, man. I'm, I thought I'd I'd goofed up on this recording today, and uh, thank God for Tanner Martis, who's who's my my techie whiz, who uh, sorted it out, and I didn't I didn't blunder too badly. And we were able to rescue rescue things. <clears throat> so let's see. Trying to think what I want to do here for a second. Victor, ha Victor Davis Hanson. Listen, if you see any articles by Victor Davis Hanson, you need to check them out. This is April 11th, 2019. And um, he says, California has become the America's cannibal state. Cannibal is someone that eats, eats other people, right? For over six years, California's had a top marginal tax rate of 13.3%, the highest in the nation, about 150,000. Think of this. There's almost 40 million people in the state. 150,000 households now pay nearly half of the total state income tax. He says that almost 50% of the people in the United in the, uh, sorry, in California do not pay anything. And uh, so, um, I, so what's that mean? That means that they are being hit so hard that if just a handful of them leave, say 10% of them decided to move, uh, it would have a big impact on the tax flow of the uh, the United of uh, the California. So the the uh, revenue flow. So California, he said, recently raised gas taxes by 40, 40% and now has the second highest gas taxes in the state, in the United States. California has the ninth highest combined state and local income taxes in the country. Uh, it has a seven point, it says here 7.3% uh, basic sales tax. I thought it was 7.2. That might be a typo. But now we have all these local sales taxes that are adding another percent, a percent and a half, two percent. Some get nearly 10 percent on everything you purchase. So as of April 1, California is now applying that high sales tax to goods that that residents buy online from out of state. You remember you used to buy out of state and you used to not have to pay tax to out of state state sellers. In other words, if you drove over there. To another state, you wouldn't have to pay the sales tax. But if you buy electronically, they're, they're charging out of state, right? So uh, in 2017, under Trump's tax reform, the federal government capped state and local tax deductions at $10,000 for high-income learners in California. The change 
effectively doubled their state and local taxes. Boom, because they weren't deductible on federal anymore. Pretty, pretty impactful, right? Uh, now, uh, Scott Weiner, a Democrat state senator from San Francisco, has introduced a bill that would create a new California estate tax. Weiner outlined a death tax of 40% on estates worth more than $3.5 million for a single California or more than $7 million for a married couple. Now, uh, honestly, people are going to get clobbered by that, and that would be a reason to sell and move. What he says, Hansen says, what really irks California taxpayers are the shoddy public services that they receive in exchange for burdensome taxes. California has can be found near the bottom of state rankings for schools and infrastructure. San Francisco ranks first among the America's largest cities in property crimes per capita. You know, I can't remember the exact number, but there's like like a couple hundred car break-ins a day. They just knock the windows out. They see anything in your car in San Francisco? Just knock the window right out of it. The massive com- concrete ruins of, s- of the state's quarter built and now either canceled or postponed multi-billion dollar high-speed rail system are already collecting graffiti. He said roughly a quarter of the entire nation's homeless live in California. We have simply f- subsidized it and welcomed them with open arms, just like we're doing people crossing the border. Uh so do about one-third. So you have one-quarter of all the nation's homeless, and you have one-third of all Americans on public assistance. About 20% of the Amer- of Californians live below the pro- poverty line. About one-third of Californians are enrolled in Medi-Cal, the state's health care uh, program for low-income residents. Hansen says... California's social programs are magnets that draw in the indigent from all over the world who arrive in search of generous health, education, Listen, some 27% of the state's residents were not born in the United States. Listen, people will do anything. I've said this many times before. I see all these women that extort, not extort money, but embezzle money from their businesses. And and then... uh, I said, how I've said this before, how much time in prison or or jail would you do if at the end you'd get out and and get your four hundred thousand dollars you stole from your your boss? Would you do two or three years? I think a lot of people would. Absolutely. The sacrifice is worth it for illegals to be incarcerated for years if they can at some point get out and sign up for all the freebies in America. It's it's worth it to them. So uh, he said last month alone, and we've already talked about this earlier in the show, nearly 100,000 foreign nationals were stopped at the southern border. Huge numbers of migrants are able to make it across without being caught, and many end up in California. What is the ideology behind destructive state policies, he asked? Venezuela, which is driving out its middle class, is apparently California's model. Venezuelan leaders believe in providing vast subsidies for the poor. The country's super rich are often crony capitalists. That's the type of people like the earlier we played the clip on sugar. 
and and millions multimillionaires cashing in on taxpayer subsidies for sugar. California is waging an outright war on the middle class, which lacks the numbers of the poor and the clout of the rich. It says the rich, the super rich are often crony capitalists who can avoid the high taxes. I want you to think about that. That's that's freaky. That's totally freaky. All right. Uh, it just it just totally amazing. I wanted to read. Let's see, I don't know if I got time to do this or not. Let's see if I can find this. Well, let's see. Here should be right in here. After this article here, I wanted to read something about firefighting. My friend Mark Boomgarden, who retired as chief of the Yuba City Fire Department, sent this through, and I thought, oh, this is good. So let me read it to you. The ugly truth about firefighting the public doesn't understand. We know... What we see is real. We know how it feels. We live with the memories and know that more will come. We are tuned in to every aspect of the firefighting life. We know when a brother or sister is lost, and we mourn in our own way no matter how far away the incident was that took them from us. We don't have to know the name of the deceased or their story because we are the people who make the ultimate sacrifice. Inside every one of us lives a small part of the rest. And we feel the loss more profoundly than people could imagine. The truth is, this is not the easy life that the general public wants to think it is. This is far more than shopping for lunch, parades, Dalmatians, and fire prevention week. This is life and loss and tragedy. This is insomnia and injury and depression. None of us gets through it unscathed. None of us expect to. Some of us will not get out alive. And we know all too well that the someone could be us. So we protect the public from whatever misfortune comes their way, and we put out their fires and tend their wounded and keep them as safe as we can. We pull the dead from the car wrecks and cover the bodies at fire scenes so the news cameras won't bring the horror into the nation's living rooms. To protect our people from more than just the physical, we keep them from knowing the truth. The truth is ugly and devastating. People will tell us that they can, they, they can imagine how horrific it was for us, but they will never in a million years really imagine the depth of that horror. They will never have to deal with the guilt, the constant mental playback, wondering if only I were a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little more poised, a little more heroic. They will never feel the profound sadness that we do as a result of seeing too much. They will never breathe in the smell of death, as it lingers on the recently deceased before the undertaker does his work. They will never wonder how they will even make it home uh, and get on with things after what they've witnessed. They don't have to know about any of it. We let them imagine how bad it can be and allow them the luxury of thinking that they have imagined it correctly. They don't have to bear the burden of life at its most raw and powerful. They have the luxury of watching the world go by through their screens, screens that don't scream, screens that don't burn or bleed. We let them think that life is fair with an occasional aberration. We allow them the luxury of the illusion of safety and fairness as life barrels along. They do not need to know how often things veer out of control. They don't have to know what we know. We remember 
how it felt to be innocent. We know exactly how good it feels to not see the brutal realities that linger just outside of sight. We don't want them to know about any of it. All we want is to keep the people who depend on us as far away from the things we dread. And we want to survive this career with our hope, health, and sanity intact. So this is written by Michael Morse, and it's called The Ugly Truth About Firefighting the Public Doesn't Understand. I've worked with a lot of these firefighters. I totally agree with this guy's uh, analysis analysis of it. So we're going to take a break, and uh, then we got one more segment to go. And uh, you're going to listen to a great clip called Donald Trump's Funniest Insults and Comebacks. So give me a second to water myself down, enjoy this clip, and we'll finish up. That there are for immigrants on the whole, create or come on, try getting it out. Try getting it out. I'll get it out. I mean, I don't know if you're going to put this on television, but you don't even know what you're talking about. Try getting it out. Go ahead. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only is Rosie several... O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. I never attacked him on his look, and believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there. That I can tell you. Well, Jake, Jake, I want to. I want to give. Jake. They came to me. The press. These people. Look at all those cameras back there. The press came to me, and they told me that he said he would not pay for the wall. Do you have a comment? I said yes. The wall just got ten feet taller. Oh, Don, you're a little controversial. You're talking about illegal immigration. I said, it's illegal. We have very stupid people in our country negotiating for us, and we have leaders that don't know what they're doing. And the media, look at all those people back there. Scavengers, they're like scavengers. CNN is terrible. CNN, you're with CNN? Are you with CNN? Are you, are you people do not cover us accurately at all. Go ahead. To follow up on that, you keep calling us the dishonest press, the disgusting well, press. Generally speaking, that's 100 percent true. Go ahead. I disagree with that, sir. And I, if I can ask you this question, it, it seems as though you're resistant to scrutiny, the kind of scrutiny that comes with running for president of the United States. I you're like scrutiny, you're... but you know what? When I raise money, excuse me, excuse me. I've watched you on television. You're a real beauty. Is that appropriate in running for president? Okay. Uh, let's. You got to let me speak, though, Frank, because you I... interrupt all the time. Okay. So. Let me talk. Quiet. Help a lot of times. A lot of times. That's all of his donors and special interests out there. <laughs> it's been an amazing journey for me. It's been a lot of fun. I never thought I'd be a politician in my life. Uh, he said, I'm not. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm not. I refuse. We need a leader that wrote the art of the deal. I'll use the word anchor, baby. Excuse me. I'll use the word anchor, baby. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? <laughs> and he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it. He was begging for my endorsement. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. He was begging. Who is Uma married to? 
one of the great sleazebags of our time. Anthony Weiner, did you know that? She's married to Anthony Weiner. You know, the little bing, 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 bum, bum. I love you very much. I want to get paid the same as a man, and I think you understand that. So, if you become president, will a woman make the same as a man, and do I get to choose what I do with my body? You're going to make the same if you do as good a job. Stop it. This socialist slash communist, okay, nobody wants to say it. What the financials don't show also is your tax rate. They don't show whether you paid a low tax oh, well, rate or no tax rate. I very hard rates. to pay as little tax as possible, and I've, I've said that for the last two years. I fight very hard because this country wastes our money. They take our tax money and they throw it down the drain because, frankly, our country doesn't know what they're doing with our money or our tax money, and that's part of the problem. So I fight very hard to pay as little tax as possible. What is your tax rate? It's none of your business. You'll see it when I release it. I say it only because that's the kind of thinking this country needs with $19 trillion in debt, believe me. They spent, listen to this, $1 million on ads against me in Iowa. Now, here's the good news. They used the best pictures. I look so good in those pictures. I'm trying to find where they got them. But I was like a young guy. I look so handsome. I said to myself, oh, I wish I still looked like that. It would be great. Newsflash, the Republican Party's been fighting against a single-payer okay. system for a decade. See, I think you're on the wrong side of this if you're still arguing for a single-payer system. Not, I'm not, I don't think you heard me. You're having a hard time tonight. All right, let... This is a tough business oh, to yeah. run for oh, president. Oh, no, you're a tough guy, Jeb. And, and we need to have a leader that is real tough. You're never going to be president of the United States tough, by Jeb, insulting yeah. your way to well, the let's presidency. Let's see, I'm at 42 and you're at 3, so Doesn't so matter. far I'm doing better. Doesn't matter. So far I'm doing better. Crooked Hillary. She was the worst secretary of state in the history of our nation. Why would she be a good president? I think she'd be a terrible president. You know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. segment here of episode eight of no hostages radio this is lou benninger and thank you for listening today and hope you could uh made it i think you probably if you're this far you made it from the beginning and almost uh hopefully you can hang on to the end there's a couple of good things here to wrap up today uh this is a great article by uh, karen mcquillan k-a-r-i-n mcquillan q-u-i L-L-A-N. And uh, she wrote this earlier this week, uh, sorry, uh, last month, uh, April 15th. And she says the enormity, I mean, we're so, I don't know how we're going to hang on here. But we're so fortunate that we didn't have a complete uprising, violent uprising in this country. She said the enormity of Obama's team's political crimes 
the framing and attempted takedown of a sitting president required a propaganda machine the likes of which this country has never, ever seen. So we are in America, the unreal. We have people that every single day are blasting Trump for every single thing he does, whether it's wonderful or, or politically not their style, even if it's wonderful. You reduce to the black unemployment rate to zero, blacks to zero, Asian to zero, women to zero, makes no difference. They don't want this guy. They would rather have the high unemployment rates and have their guy in here. She said Democrats need partisanship to pull this off, not an excellent party platform. That is why their program is so completely weird, crazy, extremist views or strategies for divide and conquer or control. Journalists and politicians alike have manipulated rank and file Democrats to plunge them into a fake world into which every and each Trump voter is, is treated. Not as a political opponent to defeat an election, but as a, a avatars of evil. In other words, Trump people, that's why you see pe Trump people being attacked, voters being attacked, their hats ripped off, T-shirts ripped. The Democrats' intolerance for dissent is telling. The Democrats have rejected the two-party system. They are flooding the country with Marxists uh, instead of normal political competition. America in 2019 seems unreal because the post-Obama Democrat Party is like nothing we've ever seen in the history of the country. The inner sanctum of Obama's team, John Brennan, these people are all criminals. John Brennan, James Clapper, Susan Rice, etc. tried to reverse an election they had already lost. This is unheard of in this country. No wonder there has been nonstop propaganda efforts to hide their uh, criminality. They are not aiming to win voters over. They intend to change our voting laws and systems to give their party a permanent majority. This is what we call a takeover, not the people's choice. The permanent majority will justify by their lies that our system is crooked. It is not crooked. They're trying to make it that way. They don't want fair debates that they can lose. They don't want fair elections that they can lose. The purpose of the propaganda you're watching and listening to every single day is has this, this in mind, to misinform, but most of all, to bully people into submission. They want to make sure that you're scared to death to wear a MAGA hat or a MAGA shirt or a pro-life shirt, right? Or a pro-military or an NRA shirt or I'm a heterosexual shirt. Go against the relentless drumbeat of groupthink, and you are on the enemy's list. Extremism is a power play. That's exactly what's happened at every school in this country. And the whole idea of teaching transgenderism, anal sex, all kind of screwball, deviant sexual behavior to children, is a power play, and if you resist it, you will be marked, you will be shamed, you will be assaulted. Democrats have unfurled a politics of intimidation aimed against their own as much as the other. 
This is like the ISIS people who were Muslims, who actually took on the Christians and took on their own Muslims and would cut the head off their own Muslims if they weren't uh, adhering to the party line. The propaganda which sustains a Democrat party requires suppression and punishments of voters lest their own voters be open to dissent. They have disciplined their followers to submit to groupthink, to be willing to turn in unison and declare cars evil, infanticide good, and gender make-believe, and genders make-believe. In other words, man and woman are just make-believe and just uh, flitting choices. She says, Quinlan says, we're supposed to see the mass of ordinary America's bigots and haters. A hallmark of propaganda is that everything is said to be its exact opposite. In other words, good is evil and evil is good. That's exactly what's going on. If you're missing this in your public education that you're subjecting your children to, you you are just uh, it's just as bad as subjecting your ch- children to this government education as pouring poison down their throat. When you're pushing clear nonsense like banning fossil fuels that humans did not come in two sexes or that infanticide is feminism, then you're in total fear of one honest journalist. One honest journalist will set you on your ear. More than that, you want to demonize an honest journalist as beyond the pale, haters who do not deserve to talk. Almost, I would say, almost every week, one person will say to me, and I am, I'm just a small, small person here. People will say to me, I cannot believe you're writing articles like this and, and putting your name on it. I can't believe you have a podcast and putting your name. You're not anonymous because and and so many people have written and talked to me and said, you're saying what all of us want to say, but they're totally in fear. Is that totally crazy to you? What this is actually working, what the left is doing, it's working very well. Leftist employees, Twitter Facebook, some of you are so in love with Facebook. Some of us just need to shut down our Facebook and walk off, just walk away. I don't care whether you want to flaunt your grandkids. Honestly, people, you are clueless. You are totally clueless to what is going on. Twitter, people being put in Facebook jail, for God's sake. Facebook, Google, uh, All these uh, non, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Leftist employees at Twitter, Facebook, Google, non-work, Google work nonstop to silence opposing voices. I don't know whether you saw these representatives from Twitter and Facebook and Google uh, before the, uh, these different House or Senate subcommittees. And all they were asking them is, are you fair or unfair? It's okay to be either in America. You can be unfair. You can be totally biased. You don't have to give each side, but they would not admit that, but they were completely unfair. And they were, they were saying that, that uh, people like comments or quotes of Mother Teresa, for God's sake, were... Uh, Haters, it's hateful speech, hate speech, 
Pro-life is hate speech. Christianity, the Bible, is hate speech. These people lie without any bashfulness, red face. They are the best liars. They are masters at lying. Uh, Democrats are inciting fear, envy, and rage all as a road to create power for themselves. When you see people attack someone that just has a red Trump hat, you know you have a really one twisted puppy out there. Uh, all their appeals aren't to a righteous uh, cause or belief system. They are appeals to hatred, uh, grievances, victimhood. That's what's happening. The road to power. Grievance. American individualism, u- unity, and optimism are in the way of mu- and must be destroyed. 21st century Marxism divide us. Marxists divide us into classes by race and gender and sexual behavior, not by workers versus capitalists. But it's the same old road to tyranny. Uh, Barack's philosophy as a Chicago radical, it says an organizer must agitate, create disenchantment and discontent within the current value system and fan the embers of hopelessness. My goodness, I find people that are far more hopeful and very, very poor, one of the poorest countries in the world, Vietnam, than I do in this country. We got the biggest bunch of whiners, snivelers, they run running around with their cell phones claiming they're poor, poor, poor. They got a cell phone. They got a car. They got a television. They got air conditioning. And they got, and they're stealing from other people and they're ripoffs. It's just, uh, it's just sick. No wonder Democrats want to give 16-year-olds the vote. American millennial Red Guards. The Red Guard was the Chinese and Russian young people that would go in and just trash older people. They're brainwashed from kindergarten to think America's hate-filled and unjust country that's poisoning the environment, and they're quick to become mob dissenters. What do you think all this Antifa and all these mobs and Occupy, all these Occupy, you remember all the movements under Obama, all created, funded by the Obama people. So... You'll just see people, person after person, forced out. Blacklisting follows and is the most potent weapon in the culture wars. A black woman executive with 20 years at Apple dares to say the lovely truth that white men can have valuable and diverse viewpoints, and she is fired on the spot. A high-tech CEO is forced out of his company at the hands of the LGBTQ Twitter mob. The rest look and submit kindly and nicely without a fuss without a qualm they can tell their consciousness it is social justice i'm telling you it happens here in the local area as well people would be blacklisted uh i've been blacklisted for comments i've made for articles i've read because i won't go along with the socialist group think baloney uh Facebook, Google are all left-wing slanted. You, you may get a few of your comments in. Don't you think they like you? They will 
undermine you at every every chance they get. It's hard to believe. You know, it's so hard to believe. The news, have you listened to the news? I, I can't even listen to it. It's totally ludicrous. They're just saying things that are totally programmed. Uh, they are saying the good is bad and the bad is good. We're in one of the most amazing times of peace and prosperity we have ever had in this country. There has never been so much wealth in this country. There's never been so much manufacturing. Blacks have never had, had it so good un, uh, in terms of employment. And when you have money in your pocket, you have freedom. When you have money, the ability to earn money and move up, you have freedom. Blacks have never had so much, had so much freedom, economic freedom, been blessed, even though they've had a lot of crappy schools. Hispanics the same, Asians the same, women the same, and yet they're complaining, complaining, complaining. Uh, half the country believe we're in a crisis, that it merits an emergency assault on capitalism, democracy, and the President of the United States. They are totally nuts. You think they could see that we might end up as a Venezuela? They don't even, they can't even connect the dots. They are totally out to lunch. Uh, they, they call their fellow citizens racist and homophobes. Communist propaganda one of the things that communists do, I, I spend time in communist countries, is they shame people. They shame people. They embarrass people. They harass people so much that the next-door neighbors uh, are fearing for their lives that it would ever happen to them. They remove people literally from their village, and they, they destroy their homes. They burn their homes down and cause them to be homeless. Uh, in 2019, America and America, things are fantastic. They've never been. I, when you say that, get a clue, right? Uh, life is never going to be perfect on the earth. But in 2019, the whole world would love to come over here. And, but, but the Democrats insist the entire country is just literally awful. Worse. Uh, Worse than that, they insist we are awful. Conservatives are awful. They reject our proud history. They hate the founding fathers. They hate the Constitution. They hate America. <laughs> they hate even how we play sports, uh, the competition, the lifting up of people that are achievers. They hate patri patriotic people. They hate the military. They hate police. They are working to subvert every fair election state by state. They, and what do they do? They accuse Republicans of trying to restrict those who might uh, be able to vote legally. All the while, they are, they are uh, what they call uh, harvesting ballots. They are illegally voting. People are voting multiple times. They're voting for other people. They are totally cheating all, their way, all the way to the polls. Uh, it's just, where will it end? All we know is... Victor Davis Hanson said, if it can't go on, then it will end. And I'm telling you, if, if we can't get this thing turned around, it's gonna, we're going to have a big, funky deal here coming up. And uh, it's going to happen. And it's interesting, even after these investigations, uh, with Trump came up with Mueller not finding anything, the Democrats said, we don't care what Mueller said. After they love Mueller, thought for sure Mueller was going to come up with something. 
Right now we have the, the, uh, the po po political people are dividing law enforcement one from another. They're dividing federal people from local cities and state law enforcement. And that's the uh, div divisiveness of sanctuary policies that shield uh, criminals. Uh, but now what's happening is federal agents captured 141 illegal immigrants in just a few weeks simply by using fingerprints from local drunk driving arrests in one region of the country. So when when local government has been when police officers are caught in between politicians, politicians telling them, let people go. Uh, the federal agents are going in and looking at drunk driving arrests, looking at the fingerprints. Now, the next step, of course, would be forbidding them to have any local paperwork. In New England, where this took place, well known for, it's well known for protecting illegals from federal authorities uh, in, in, in this, these states, Maine, Vermont, as well as Rhode Island and Connecticut. Uh, these illegal immigrants were repeatedly captured for drunk driving. They were released into various communities after driving this way. And um, one official, Todd Michael Lyons, is the deputy field director for ICE in Boston, and he says local judges and prosecutors are helping illegal immigrants dodge deportation by not reporting drunk drivers to the feds. He said, we saw a large number of people with charges drop down. In other words, they reduced charges to make it less uh, inviting for the feds to get involved driving under the influence is a serious and dangerous threat regardless of what country the offender is from it's even more disturbing crime it's even a more disturbing crime when it's committed by someone who has no legal right to be in this country i meet people in the yuba county jail that are from other countries here illegally that have been arrested for dui two three four five six seven times it's criminal to do that. Among those in the recent sting was a Kenyan national living illegally in Lowell, Massachusetts with pending rape, robbery, and strangulation charges. Others include a Honduran in Boston accused of selling cocaine and a Ukrainian in Cambridge with multiple drunk driving convictions. So, a previously deported Salvadoran living in Malden uh, with aggravated assault on a police officer and forgery charges was also arrested in a recent operation as well as a Guatemalan man in New Bedford charged with aggravated assault and wanted for resisting a police officer. The Salvadoran man identified as being 43 years old also helped a prisoner escape according to the feds and a similar sting last year fed, feds arrested Dozens of illegal immigrants in the region wanted for dealing drugs. Local governments that offer legal immigrants sanctuary have long defied federal orders by releasing criminal aliens rather than turning them over for deportation, incarceration for state crimes. In one recent uh, year alone, ICE reported that sanctuary jurisdictions predicted, protected nearly 12,000 criminal. These are criminals in, a, in addition to being illegally in this country, 17,000 federal detainers were rejected by sanctuary jurisdictions and around 11,800 or 68 percent were issued for individuals with prior criminal history. In, in the fat, last few years, however, some local governments have taken 
huge step further by actually passing local measures to help illegals charged with local crimes escape federal custody. Now, this is interesting. Among them is New York, where a few years ago, the attorney general issued legal guidance to help municipalities throughout the state provide sanctuary for illegals. It set a dangerous precedent because it marked the first time a top law enforcement authority, a veteran elected official, actively encouraged and assisted local governments to violate the very law. Nearly a dozen Newark municipalities ranging from sleepy towns like Newburgh to larger cities like Rochester, New York, as well as Albany, New York, the state capital, followed the directive to skirt federal law. Now, this is interesting. The the uh, the attorney general, Eric Schneiderman. Who issued this outrageous order, then resigned in disgrace after being accused of physically abusing four women the Democrat lawmaker had made a name for himself as a champion of women's rights. Now, this is the crazy thing about the Democrat Party. The guy will say, I'm a champion of women's rights and be physically abusing women and at the same time encouraging people to ignore uh, ignore the law. Now, uh, this, is very, this is very intense stuff. And... Uh, I'm telling you, we will not win this battle if you remain passive. You need to complain to your legislature, legislators and legislature. You need to write letters. You need to write letters to the editor. You need to scream. You need to picket. Uh, you need to confront people. Uh, you need to do whatever you can. If you think that you can just go to same-o, same-o, and this country is going to, you're going to be protected through this? I just read, it's interesting, I just read uh, through Exodus and Moses dealing with the Pharaoh. And, uh, and when the plagues hit Egypt, there were certain plagues where the people of Egypt were spared, where the people of Israel were spared the same penalty like when darkness hit the earth and, and various things. They were spared that uh, same punishment. But I'll tell you, when, when the death angel came through Egypt and God said to the people of Israel, it said, get your people inside because if they're outside and they're your firstborn, they're going to they're gonna die. So if, if you want to, you better follow the rules here. And I'm telling you, when this thing goes down, everybody's going down with it. Even though you may have thought different than the Democrats, if you don't do anything, if this thing finally goes down, goes down, we're all going to lose. You're going to lose your wealth. You're going to lose your homes. You're going to lose your bank account. There's not going to be enough food. I'm telling you, uh, better countries than this have fallen. Better countries than this have fallen. You are, you are living a deceived life if you think you can just uh, dream your way through this. Uh, in New England region, a few months ago, a district judge, I don't know whether you saw this, this was in this gal threw a big old hissy fit, this judge, female judge, and cried her way out the courthouse. A district judge in Newton, Massachusetts, and a court officer got criminally charged for helping an illegal immigrant escape out of the basement door of the Newton District Court. The judge, Shelley M. Richmond Joseph, 
Shel Judge Joseph is her name, and court officer Wesley McGregor were federally indicted with conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and aiding and abetting. Judge Joseph allowed the illegal immigrants wanted by federal officers to escape in order to avoid deportation. The judge reportedly assured the illegal alien's attorney that she was not going to allow ICE agents into her courtroom to arrest and deport this client. Now, I'm telling you, it, it is so interesting to me. And this is a hypocrisy in, say, New York. I don't know whether you, I can't remember the guy's a big black fellow. I think pretty passive guy named Garner. You remember him? And he was he was selling individual cigarettes. They do this in Asia all the time. People are so poor they can't buy a pack of cigarettes, even though one pack of cigarettes, the same pack you'd buy here for $10, only cost you about 90 cents there. But see, people are so poor that they'll buy, they'll buy one and two cigarettes at a time, or what they call twosies. And Garner... Because cigarettes are so expensive in New York, Garner was on the street trying to make a little extra money selling one and two cigarettes at a time. So here is the criminality of, of, the, of the liberal socialist world. They forced the police to take him down physically and incarcerate him, and he died uh, while they were in process of of a hooking him up, cuffing him up. He must have had a heart attack or something. They would rather a guy die, and they'll let an illegal alien run free and shoot somebody, and he'll be all right. But if somebody is selling a couple cigarettes, that's a worse offense than an illegal alien in this country slitting people's throats and... Uh, and taking advantage of people, ripping them off, killing people, smothering people like this Kenyan uh, we just learned about uh, earlier. Now, I want you to think about that because there's all these petty things. You can't drink out of a straw and you can't sell a single ci cigarette or you're a criminal. But if you really are a criminal and you're an illegal alien... You're good to go. You can kill your baby, and that's okay, but you can't paddle your kid. I mean, the, the credible nonsense in hypocrisy, and the sad thing is people don't, don't think it's any big deal. Well, we're going to call it a day for this week. This is Episode 8. Uh, I'm happy that you listened. Uh, do something Maybe if you have a family, do something to reflect upon maybe some of the people that gave their lives for this country to produce the kind of freedom and wonder and blessing that we do have. And uh, maybe help educate your kids about the sacrifice people have made. We thank uh, Ted Holmes with The Plumbing Doctor, Greenest Construction, and Elite Universal Security for helping us. And we will be back. Uh, next week, if you want to read a couple articles from the Territorial that I have, uh, I've got two this week. Let me tell you what they are, and then I'm going to go off the air here and and get into business. So Armed Forces Day was one, and the, and the second was the gift of funding failure. Gift of funding failure. All right, see you next week.
Sweetheart to miss Sugar to kiss 